Growth stories, life lessons, turning points, service to others, truth, no bullshit, adding value, no smoke and mirrors, being the pressure, third down and 10, with or learn, always the underdog with a chip on your shoulder. These are the things that I think about when I talk to this group. From service academy fleet leaders, NFL players, NASCAR drivers, tech gurus, private equity, small business, big business, to the entrepreneurs making the way of the future. Winning at all costs with uncompromised integrity, paying the price of admission. Let's go. Okay, <clears throat> special guest today, uh, our first sprint football guy. Um, Casey and I had the privilege of working together on the sprint football team is a Jacksonville, Florida native and back there today. Um, now a project manager for new home construction. Um, he's a bit of a, you know, all American hard charging, tough as nails, bull rushing, iron grinding, tater eating, fist bumping, me Tarzan, you Janin. Excellent. Um, going to the bathroom, um, foot stomping, fire breathing bone crushing, snot knocking, moose slaying, and they could keep on going, right? So uh, that's just a little excerpt from a shirt that, that KC made, but um, yeah, that was a good shirt. Uh, prior, a fellow Marine Corps logistics officer, um, also sprint football player, became a coach for the sprint football team, uh, went Marine Corps, Ventured out to the desert of 29 Palms in his first role um, with 7th Marines. Started there as the maintenance management officer. Um, you know, spent some time with 3-4, did an advisor tour. So uh, very similar to my path, almost identical, you know, in, in parallel, really, even with the timeline. Returned to 29 Palms. Uh, was one of the few remained behind uh, O's. Uh, during that time. So talk about, you know, logistics officers are already a, a jack of all trades wearing a lot of hats. Um, but you know, when you're a, a small group, you know, flatten the curve type of, of organization, um, talk about experience and it, it, really cool story here coming up. Um, got out of the Marine Corps almost the same time, maybe within a, like a week or two of, of when I got out at the same time. Um, and now you're nine years in your current profession, spent time as a construction superintendent and project manager now for, you know, this company. So, uh, hobbies, kids, travels, uh, hunting, um, awesome hobbies. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's my small intro for you, big dog. And then, um, we'll hit some memories here. Um, yeah. Kyle Hayhurst about Casey Middleton. Um, Saturdays, your plebe year, y'all had cigars. Um, yeah. and you and Kyle were smoking outside, I guess the governor's mansion and okay. the governor's <laughs> and the governor's wife said, y'all should stop smoking from her window. Cause it was yep. stinking up her house or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yep. and without skipping a beat, uh, <laughs> you said, uh, you know, it's a free country, isn't it? Shut your window. That sounds like something I would have said in my younger days for sure. <laughs> uh, cutting weight, you know, uh, Kyle was a, a fellow D lineman played next to you, yep. um, on the sprint football team, midnight weigh-ins for you guys. Yeah. Uh, did he then, give you anything specific on this one? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, okay, and right. Chick-fil-A afterwards, 
But okay. it, it, yeah. Baird brought this up too. Baird Roberts, <clears throat> recent guest as well. Yeah. Um, how you cut your weight, because uh, you were like naturally, what, 210, 220-ish? Yeah. And yeah, then you, and I, you cut to 172. Yeah, 172. So I would typically get on the scale August 1st at like 206, 205, 206. And I'd be like, oh boy, here we go. Cause, you know, we had fourth quarters and, you know, re, you know, brigade would reform. And so it would, you know, weight cut would typically start for me the first part of August and uh, just kind of keep going from there. Nice. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Like, um, you know, kind of been into some MMA recently and like, learning the lessons there i'm a, a big conor mcgregor fan just out of his okay, like yeah. swagger and like yeah, his yeah, ability yeah, yeah, yeah. to perform and still yes. you know get there but you know he's got a lot of flaws right uh, as sure. we all do we're all human but uh I, I like watching the guy um something else that hayher said was casey was always uh and has always been the eminent professional as a logistician um amateurs talk tactics but professionals logistics i don't know i mean just you know just trying to trying to support you know <laughs> all right luke scott the, you always had a good feel uh for what the crew needed right um and i haven't put, picked this book up in a long time i actually picked it up a couple of days ago um the you know john maxwell's the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership and there's this law called the law of intuition. Um, of all the laws, this one is the most, and this is his words, this one is the most difficult to teach. Natural leaders get it instantly. Uh, learned leaders get it eventually. Non-leaders look at me like I got something growing out of my forehead. Um, but the ability to read the room for you was good. And that's what Luke you know, remembered of you. He also, um, and, and this ties into that, uh, when we needed to, to be serious, um, you would always grind. You could barely outwork the guy talking about you. Uh, if we needed a pick me up, you could count on KC to say or do something to get us all laughing. A hundred percent, the guy you want on your side, no matter what was going down. So, couple of things there from Luke Scott, who's also a sprint football player. Yep, both of those are sprint guys. Uh, the next three guys have had episodes on, on here already. Baird Roberts, your logistics work was commendable, um, specifically for the sprint team, the hotels, food, buses, everything. You coordinated all that while coaching, while you know doing everything you had to do, um, that you worked your tail off. Uh, he also remembers your Kenny quotes from east down and down during the time because it was kind of hot during the time it was hot yeah 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 so yeah um mike matthews so mike was the offensive coordinator for the team um right after we graduated uh yeah. i was a defensive coordinator you were uh d-line he says he tells this story often to his marines uh now that he's currently the third battalion 12th marines out in you know Japan. Uh, he's the logistics guy. He's the S4. So he says, uh, Dylan turntables turn. Oh yeah. I'm sure he's learning a lot, right? <laughs> uh, dealing with GCSS, which is a new system as we graduated. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, 
the Marine Corps is always usually behind everybody on developing yep. new systems and stuff. Well, there's this thing called GCSS, it's supposed to be the Amazon of logistics for, you know, the Marine Corps at the time. Um, you had your own name for the system. And you don't have to say yeah. it, uh, but you always uh, not afraid to tell me that. Well, what was it? Uh, so, so the 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 platform was called GCSS Marine Corps, uh, and then so when I checked in the Seventh Marines as the maintenance management officer, they had tasked me with uh, coming up with you know kind of the user guide, right, the SOP, so we could get the battalions to use it, uh, and everyone would kind of be have same you know same best practices, same you know kind of user rules uh, to make the system interoperable, and uh, so as I created this uh, you know how to guide. I uh, took some creative liberties and uh, called it uh, Marine Corps GCSS, which I, you know, said the acronym to be McJiz. Uh, and then I was quickly told by the Lieutenant Colonel XO of 7th Marines, Lieutenant, that's not what this is going to be. And I said, yes, sir. And I went back to work and changed everything to GCSS. Left it alone. Gotcha. I have a, uh, it's, it's like McDonald's, you know, Mick whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One of my, my, my operations manager would always say, hey, you know, when, when we were working, um, you know, trying to hire the right folks and, and people not enjoying what they were doing, you'd say, you know, hey, McDonald's is hiring and McRib is back. So that's always an option. <laughs> I'm uh, going to use that. I'm going to use that. <laughs> uh, you always had uh, another thing from Mike Matthews. You always had to run everything past the boss. You would say that a lot. I still do. Yeah, I still do. <laughs> I still do. You know, um, and and now for Mike, you know, in the Marine Corps out in Japan, got married. Um, right. He he now understands that comment. Yes. Which yeah, uh, he, he may have not. He also said that you and Shelly were the most welcoming and hospitable uh, folks as a couple. Huh. So that sounds right. Yeah, especially during coaching, man. It was kind of. I mean, we were. It was such a weird. Uh, you know, weird situation, right? Because you're this newly commissioned officer, right? You have all this, you know, newfound freedom, uh, but you still got a, you know, you got a work, you know, job to show up to. And I think Mike and Jordan talked about it. They were in a little bit different, uh, you know, life situation with, you know, being able to stay up all night and play NHL, you know, NHL or whatever it was after after going out to the bars. But you know, it was. Uh, I mean, we did we did a lot of hanging out. It was fun. Nice. All right, uh, on to our last memory. Justin North, uh, recent guest here. Yeah, uh, y'all worked together in Marine Corps. And he said Casey is one of those guys that you could really rely on to handle whatever the problem is. Right, like you can just take it. Hey, take a problem to Casey; he's gonna figure it out, which is a rare thing. Um, however, what really stands out about Casey is uh, he can somehow somehow maintain a great attitude while solving a problem a genuinely good man and even better husband and father uh, from justin north and i gotta throw a couple in there too so obviously um same path as you in graduation yep. you know yep. we get out we do the sprint thing we go to tbs uh the basic school for marine corps um we both get logistics uh, Which is your number one choice, right? That's what you really wanted to do when you grew up. That was my number five. Yeah. 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 What was your number one choice? What, what were your choices? Uh, so, so logistics was number three. So, uh, in Jordan's episode, right, he talks about his SPC that was like Jordan, 
you got to like, don't let these other bozos like lead in combat. Right. Yeah. And you might've been talking about me. I don't know. Cause they're in the same platoon, nice. but, uh, but, uh, you know, it was my third choice. Right. So what I really want to do is tracks, uh, and kind of had my shot at it on the yeah. reserve side. When you say tracks, uh, and, you mean like, what, what do you mean by that? Yeah. So they're the, they're the amphibious vehicles, right? So, you know, they you know, kind of do like ship to shore movement. Yeah. Um, so know, like there's some, some crew serve weapons on them. Imagine the D-Day type of approach on yeah. the beach, that type of vehicle yeah. with yep. current technology. Got it. Yep. And so I thought it would be, I thought it'd be pretty cool, you know, um, like that'd just be a very cool platform to do, be able to do, you know, support and, you know, have some, you know, probably be close to the ocean. Uh, but then I found out they still have those in 29 pumps. Uh, <laughs> so I probably got that. Uh, and then, in then infantry was, was second for me. It tracks was just such a low density, you know, opportunity yeah. that it just wasn't, it wasn't there. Yeah. Like, and tanks, then, you know, right. yeah, right. Right. And logistics was third for me. It was kind of like, well, if I'm not going to get to do what I want to do, then I'm going to go try and find a skill that's, yeah. you know, marketable. One of my favorite episodes so far, um, was with Evan Beard. And he talked about surrounding yourself with people that can be brutally honest with you. Um, you know, th there's a lot of things in there, a lot of themes that I, you know, took out and thought like, dude, he's right. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, cause something that I valued about you when I was that D uh, coordinator for the sprint football team, you were the D line coach. Uh, I valued your ability to be brutally honest with me. Uh, one thing that stood out was um, during the Army game, that strategy. If I could go back, I'd be like, no, we're not doing that stand-up nose thing. And just Dude, stick down. stick with the basics. And that, there was down. one point within that game where you came up and you told me, this might not be working, right? Um, one of the most challenging things as a leader is you make a plan, you execute a plan, it doesn't work. But your ability to shift and change quickly and be like, all right, that's not working. I'm going to do something different. Um, very important, right? So uh, keep it simple and mastering the basics. Uh, good lesson there. So appreciate that. Yeah, that was, uh, man, that was a tough, that was a tough deal there. Oh, yes. I think you might talk a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah, I had a, uh, yeah, I had a, uh, I had a firstie that, I, that I'd been on the team for a while and he just, he was you know, he didn't start the game and we didn't win the game. And I just, man, I, that's, that's one that I don't know if I could, if I went back again, I'm not sure that I would change the decision because I don't know that there was a right decision. But yeah. man, yeah, that's, that one eats at me today. Even if I could go back, I would try and shift directions faster. I think that yeah. was the, the key learning from that. And yeah. I, I try to still carry that. So, no, no. all right, dude, that's why I turn it over to you. Tell us your narrative. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you hit a lot of it, uh, in the intro. So, uh, born and raised in Jacksonville, uh, in and around Jacksonville. Um, and then, um, you know, um, went to, uh, I went to switch from primary residence from my, you know, live with my mom to live with my dad, uh, the summer between seventh and eighth grade, uh, so to a uh, new, you know, new school system. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, ended up meeting my wife in the eighth grade. Uh, we've been together since and she's, you know, uh, She's awesome. And, uh, you know, from there, you know, we talked a little bit about this, I think kind of lead up to the intro, but this, the, uh, kind of, well, I'm sure we'll get into more of this in, in the future, but the, you know, just how these stories of, uh, uh, you know, the, the people we've got in the podcast are just so interrelated. Just it, it blows my mind. 
Um, but you know, like I went to, you know, went to high school, not far from, uh, where Clint played, you know, his high school ball. Right. I told you earlier, my, you know, Clint my son's, yeah, Clint Sobey, right. My son's wrestling at the school now, you know, so it's just this weird kind of small, it's a good path. That wrestling thing, yeah. like I yeah. mentioned, the the whole wrestling thing has um, a lot of growth to it. So absolutely, and so trying trying to get him in there, but uh, you know, in kind of probably similar to a lot of people, I you know that you've had on the on the on the show, the uh, you know kind of bigger fish, smaller pond. You know, did really well in high school, came came pretty natural. Uh, you know, played sports, smaller high school uh, here in Jacksonville. So there was you know only so many opportunities to go around. But there was a uh, you know, kind of willing, uh, you know, willing participant to, you know, get involved in the extracurriculars and sports and stuff. I think it was a lot bigger. Uh, it looked a lot better on the resume than what maybe my performance on the wrestling matter of the field was, um, you know, tried to get, uh, recruited to go play football, uh, or wrestle. And that was just not, not good enough to make the cut. And so, you know, kind of in doing research, going to, uh, you know, looking at going to Navy, uh, you know, what is the sprint football deal, you know? And, uh, you know, for, I guess for the audience that doesn't know, um, sprint football is, it's 11 on 11. It's like regular football, but it's just a smaller, you know, smaller humans, you know, 170, yeah. when we were playing, it was 172 pounds. Dude, uh, yeah. And, and like understanding that, uh, for the group, like sprint football, it's kind of an Ivy league army Navy type yeah. of thing. There's not a whole lot of teams like that, but the ones that do have right. it. So like what me walking into that as a defensive guy, I'm like, Poor, poor Viet Vo. Um, it's yeah. like blitz every play, right? Yeah. <laughs> because the right. linemen are the same size right. as, as the quarterback, as the yeah. you know, yeah. linebackers. You got yeah. to just uh, attack it, right? Right. And so you typically have, you know, a couple, you know, you'd have a couple guys, you know, we had, uh, you know, maybe like a couple running backs, a couple receivers, you know, a couple tight ends over the, you know, over the time that I played there. Uh, a couple linebackers that would all be big enough to have to go cut weight. And a lot of times it was, you know, it was linemen primarily that were, you know, so there's kind of this element of weight cutting, kind of like wrestling. Um, but, you know, first got interested in sprint because, you know, there was like, I wanted to continue playing football. And, uh, you know, I was like, well, Hey, here's my, here's my chance. Here's my Avenue. And, uh, you know, coming out of plebe summer was, uh, you know, I, I dropped a lot of weight over plebe summer and, uh, was like, Hey, cool. Like this, you know, this, this might work, uh, you know, wrestling high school. So the weight cutting wasn't something that was totally unfamiliar. And I was like, well, cool. Varsity sport, get to go do the deal. And, uh, so it was kind of, that's kind of how I ended up on, you know, doing this, doing sprint was just, you know, and, and then kind of like you've, uh, uncovered with, you know, throughout the series of the podcast, right. There's this brotherhood and, you know, how do you, you know, define that rite of passage? It's, 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 I think it's very similar. Uh, to to kind of what you guys you know you guys went through as a as a group and as a collective, right? So there's yeah, shared any, suffering. Any, yeah, exactly. There's, any shared suffering, the sacrifices, yeah. like the, there's no better bond. In no, hundred percent that I've found 100%. yet, other than some no. shared suffering, for sure. Yeah, I t- I couldn't agree more. You know, and then and then when that you know that collective turns into something you know, good, wins and yeah, wins and losses, or you know, for you know for you guys. Uh, seeing the success that you guys had on the field, you know, sprint when I was there, you know, so I, my plea beer, I wasn't good enough to dress as more like, you know, practice kind of practice squad type deal. Um, and, uh, but, you know, sophomore, junior, senior year, uh, we didn't lose a football game. And so to, you know, talk yep. about a high, you know, a high, high execution. Major Jenkins, man. Solid major. dude. The major. Yeah. 
Yeah, he uh yeah, he was something else, man. Uh yeah, good great yeah, great guy. I, yes, yeah, great leader. Taught me how to uh he used to do this deal where kind of as that transition for into us being coaches, he would bring me to his office. I have to tell him like what well, yeah, okay, here's the yeah, kind of ops logistics plan to support, you know, whatever the team was doing. He was just kinda like nod his head and he'd say, Okay, we're gonna go, what else? <laughs> And he would just wait, like just, and I would get really uncomfortable, right? Just like a, you know, first class. He, he's the guy that thinking. thinks of every single yes, possible. Yes, and he would say, "What else?" And I would just, man, I'd be up there just singing whatever it was. Man, I'd tell him like, you know, hey, like when I was five years old, like I stole some, you know, some gum one time, you know, and I got in trouble <laughs> for it, but I still felt bad. Yeah, I'd just be telling him everything, and uh, just because the intimidation factor said, "Okay, what else? What else?" I use that now with my kids. <laughs> But man, yeah, it's yeah. funny where how those open ended questions can lead you to something yeah. really valuable, right? Yeah, yeah. So he and uh, you know, again, the kind of interconnectedness. So it, when I was when I was playing, we our O rep was uh, uh, at the time major Greeley, and then he ended up being the uh, XO uh, for the RBE and seventh Marines. So the, so we kind of had that connection. Uh, but man, those two guys were some of the most just. Mean is too general of a term, but man, with the, <laughs> they were, they were, they would just drill down and drill down. And you, so when you left, you're always more prepared coming out of that meeting or interaction with them. Yeah. It made you better when you went outside, right? And that was one of the things I really appreciated and learned was, you know, as long as we're keeping this in house, like you can, and you're genuine and you treat everybody like that. And that's just your personality. Man, like people are better for it. Awesome. That just, I'm, I'm not wired that way, but you know, Ooh. I always felt, and maybe a little. I always felt, uh, I always felt after those interactions, like you know, you come out, you're like, gosh, that was uncomfortable. But you know, in, but then when you left, like you were, you were in their club, right? Like you were, yeah. you, you, you had the seal of approval. Like if you can, if you can work for this guy and you can get it done and you can get after it, then you'll be successful anywhere. There's another guy I want to ask you about. I don't, I'd never interacted with the guy, um, but my roommate Ryan Marco, uh, yeah. used to talk about him a lot. Uh, yeah. Clearfield, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so about that guy. Um, man, he was. Uh, so I'm gonna. I, I may get this wrong, and that'll be a theme throughout the podcast. Uh, as memories fail a little bit, but I believe he was the opso for like Phantom Fury. I don't remember which guy, which battalion it was, but he was involved in. I think it was Fallujah. Um, I think he was the opso of that battalion, and. And he kind of, he was, he was, they were very different, but very similar, um, you know, kind of personas as, uh, as Major Jenkins coming through where, you know, that, that, that stereotypical infantry Marine, like we're here for business. Um, but, but, you know, Clearfield was very, he was very well-spoken. He was very eloquent. He was, yeah, I think he had a, I don't, I don't remember where he went to school, but I think it was somewhere, you know, really good school. Uh, he had like um, English, Union Union College. I'm just looking okay. it up on the internet yeah. right now. Uh, Bachelor just, uh, of, of Arts in History. History, uh, yeah. No, very you know, if, if I could go back and and try and and redo a college degree, I'd probably try and do history. But yeah, because no my memory's all jacked up. Uh, yeah, that I think there's you know, and and even doing this, you know, podcast is history okay what yeah. did i learn from this history i think that's very bad because you were you, so. you were probably side guy right yep yeah you too so right same yeah it wouldn't change that for sure 
It was yeah, the, to, the one that we could graduate with because you got all right, bullshit and pol- political 100%. stuff, right? Hey, so there, there was one time. So you were, when you had Ian on here, I thought uh, I, I I was sure I wasn't going to make the cut, but uh, you know we had a I think it was like first year maybe even we had we had uh, had wrestling with Ian, so we'd go over there and wrestle each other for a PE class or whatever, and then we had a we had our I think it was our capstone with uh, Professor Helen Perkins. So yes. write that down. Yep, I and uh, in the parks, man. So, <laughs> so the first day of class, she she kept, she says she's going to do in the roll call or whatever. She goes, uh, Ian, Ian Meredith, and he's like, Oh, it's Ian. So <laughs> I called that pool Ian every chance I got in in the in that class with her. Yeah, and, a little uh, little taste of your your Kenny Powers. You always yeah, have, yeah. And your in, intuition with the whole, you know, how to lighten up the room. So that's cool. Yeah. It's it's too short. You gotta have fun with it. You can be serious. Have fun, you know. Yeah, true. So cool. Uh, yeah. So did the did the Navy deal? Hey, did I hear? Were you a company commander? No. Okay, I thought that came up in one of the one of the podcasts before. No, wasn't uh, company commander. Okay, that would have surprised me if you were, because I thought you were more. Trying. No, after the advisor tour came back, um, knew I was going. No, I'm sorry. I'm out. sorry. At the academy. At the academy. Oh, okay. Yes, I was. Uh, okay. I had a uh, I didn't a senior enlisted um, Navy, you know, senior chief at the time. I'm trying to get him on here too. Uh, yeah, he's a great mentor of mine. And yeah. I think he just saw some potential. He's like, you should apply for this. And, yeah. And I, I was like, yeah, I don't really want to. It's more responsibility. I'm trying to get out of here. I went ahead and did it. And um, that's you know, what's important with good mentors senior good mentors is yeah they push you they challenge you yeah, yeah they put you in situations where you're able to um get a little uncomfortable and uh yeah and, yeah. and learn something new right so yep yep yeah um i think we're uh, so i'm off script on my narrative here but yeah so so did yeah did the navy deal um or, or you know got got to the naval academy just straight up did the you know, straight in, um, did, did sprint and then kind of just, you know, did stuff in the hall. I think for me is that, yeah, I really felt like there was a, um, I felt like there was kind of a, uh, a, a Jekyll and Hyde deal there for me. Uh, so in the fall, when I would come back and cut weight, I was, uh, Hiding. Nah, I was not a lot of, yeah, it was not a lot of fun to be around. And, uh, you know, I had, I had, uh, you know, fall semester uniforms and I had summer semester uniforms and, you know, that was just kind of how it was. And so, you know, during the, during the fall, you know, a couple of years there during the fall was, you know, it was time to cut weight. It was sprint football time. You know, I had some, uh, interactions with my roommate that I wasn't proud of cutting weight on, you know, whatever nights those were. And, you know, not who was that? I need to reach out to him. I should have got a memory from that guy. You should, you should. Yeah. So Wex Jarks, man. Yeah. And uh, actually, so Craig and I were the same company. So him, so he and he and Wes, I think they did subs. I don't know if they ever crossed paths, but um, yeah, it was uh, yeah. So then the spring semester, you know, I'd, I'd take whatever the billets, you know, do the billet stuff, and you know, grades would improve. Uh, and that was kind of the you know, kind of the, I guess, the cycle through through the academy. Um, yeah, I think one of the probably the biggest thing that stands out to me is that I had, you know, I really, you know, we kind of talk about a lot in marriage, right? Like you try now kick the coverage, right? Marry up. Um, you know, and I, I certainly think I've done that, but the, 
um, the friend, the friendship and the friend groups, right? Like if you can outkick the coverage with your friend groups, man, it's, yeah, it's, it's a game changer, right? So coming in, I, I didn't have a very strong academic background and, you know, so you kind of figure out, you know, you kind of read the room, right? And you go, Hey, who, who here can help me? You know, what, what, can I, how can I add value to them? Um, but really like, what can I, what value can I, can I also gain? And then you, you know, you find that friendship, you find that relationship, uh, and, you know, hopefully it's a mutual deal, but yeah, just in the hall, I, 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 I don't think I did anything better, you know, necessarily better than anybody else. Um, but was fortunate to have a really good friend. group. I mean, Craig was, Craig had Craig's room, uh, Schaefer, Craig Schaefer's room was just stacked, man. I mean, they had, uh, Mike Campbell, Mark Gordon. Makes sense for where, where he's at today. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And it was just, I mean, you know, stud room. Uh, and actually, you know, kind of similar deal, you know, years before, I think, uh, one of the podcasts you talked about, uh, Tyler Tidwell, his roommate, Ryan Engel was the captain of the spring team. I mean, just awesome. high performing, uh, you know, very, very high performing people. And so I think, you know, that, that was kind of my biggest takeaway at Navy was, man, if I can, if I can, uh, you know, get into these, you know, get into a group of people that are better than me at all this stuff, then man, I can, I can get better too. Uh, so I think that was, that was huge for me. Um, whether it was that, yeah, whether it was academics or, you know, professional stuff in the hall or, you know, you know, lifting weights and sports, you right. You find, you find those people, uh, that can push kind of like you talked about, right. It's okay to get uncomfortable, you know, and, that, and that's where the growth and development comes from. So if you can, if you can find those, uh, you know, find those friends and find those relationships that'll push you, uh, it's a game changer. Awesome. So where do you go from there? What's your next step? Yeah. So, um, you know, did, did the service selected Marine Corps, um, you know, I think for me is, you know, probably like a lot of people, right? Like, Hey, what do you know, what do I want to do when I grow up? Right. Like what's next after this? Um, Marine Corps was for me. Um, you know, I had a, why, uh, really, why did you I choose really, the Marine Corps versus, you know, Navy surface warfare, subs? Yeah, the, the the short answer is the people. Really, I mean, I I was always a, a thousand times more impressed with um, you know, the Marines that I got to interact with, whether it was on the yard or it, you know, a, a pro mid kind of summer training deal. We had um, our company had uh, our, our senior senior listed was uh, Marines, so we had who was uh, that? A handful. You remember? Uh, yeah, we had a couple come through. So first we had Gunny Hughes, and then we had yes, Gunny I Kate. remember that guy. Solid. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think probably at that time I was like, I'm going to do some Navy stuff and go fly. Like, you know, I thought P8s would be cool. So if the P- there's one of the P8 squadron or a couple of them, you know, whatever their deal is, uh, they're out of Jax. So I was like, man, that'd be cool to be able to go back to Jax, do the P3 deal and, uh, you know, land based. Like, that sounds cool, right? Like, yeah. uh, all, all good things. And, uh, yeah. And then we had probably the, we had Gunny Vogel. I don't know if you remember her or not. Um, I do the the name rings, you know, for me. Her, I don't her, remember. So her husband was, gosh, he was on, he was he was there too. I think as a senior enlisted, um, and so I think they got it as like a, a married tour. But man, she was awesome. Like just you know, down to earth, but like very professional. knew you know, knew what she was doing. Um, you know, I was like, man, like this, these are the types of people that I want to work with, right? Like like people that say, hey, like let's get this done, let's figure it out. Um, let's get after it. And so that was a big draw for me. <clears throat> I think it was the, 
uh, level of professionalism that I saw in the Marine Station on the Yard. And that goes for, you know, the the officer reps are great too, right? Like, you know, you yeah. could go down and list, you know. There was a, uh, a theme throughout your memories uh, talking about your level of professionalism. So it's funny yeah. that you bring that up, like the people that you saw, the people that you, you know, were around, right? Yeah, I, I think there's there's absolutely some, uh, you know, some parallels there. And I think, <clears throat> yeah, I, I think for, um, for, for me, it's like that professionalism is super important, but it's also, you know, it's also, but it's not more important necessarily than having, you know, the right amount of humor, right? Like there's, yeah. you know, some levity and some humor goes a long way. Like that's what keeps it fun. If it's just, you know. Yeah, that's, that's something I always try to do in, in, in my job is I, I try to keep it light, right? Yeah, um, right. Because there's always going to be there those intrusive thoughts of the team on things that are happening that one, you either can't control or, right. um, you know, things that are happening that are bad and you got to lighten the mood. When you walk into the room, you got to be a light, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, there's, you know, there's, you know, when you, when you kind of put it in a professional, you know, work context, it's like, it's okay to have fun at work. You know, I think you know, one of the things I try and stress with, um, you know, with my team is that, you know, the, 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 the product that we deliver, right. So, so it's new home construction. So we charge a lot of money for our homes or we, we build them really well. We're very proud of them. And we take that, uh, that piece of it very serious. Um, you know, there's, for most people, there's not a bigger uh, investment or purchase that they make than buying a home. And, you know, when you think about kind of what that, the, what that really means, right. It's not, it's not just a, it's not just a building. It's not just a dwelling, right? It's not a, it's not a fast food joint, right? Like this is your home. This is where you get, you know, you bring babies home yeah. from the hospital. This is where you celebrate, uh, you know, uh, yeah, and families. New, new home buyers will always remember that one piece of trim that's just 100%. 100%. And so, 100%. And so for us, it's like, you know, hey, if the trims are, if it's broke, let's fix it, right? Like, hey, if we, if we screwed it up, let's fix it. Um, you know, we're not afraid to try a couple times sometimes if, uh, if we can't get it right the first time. But I think, you know, as important and as like dramatic as that is to be like, oh man, you know, we're getting, you know, we have customers that are going to exchange us hundreds of thousands of dollars for their home, you know, that their family is going to live in for however long, you know, hopefully forever. Yeah. Um, you know, you just have fun where you're doing it, right? Like you can still, you know, crack yeah, some jokes. Florida's, and, Florida's growth uh, is crazy. Dude, it's, it's the past couple of years have been absolutely insane. I've been insane. Good for you. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's good, man. It's, it's been a good, you know, I, yeah, like, and you talked about this earlier, right? So we got out very similar time. Actually, when I got out, I went, uh, stayed with you guys when you were doing the oil field deal. Yeah. And, uh, um, that was by far the worst day of driving I've ever done. Um, but you know, my buddy's <laughs> still talking. Yeah. We still talk about it, you know, shooting moles in the backyard. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, the, the, the job I'm at now is my, yeah, you know, it's my rebound job still. So it's, it's been good. It's been very, you know, there's been different, you know, career paths and trajectories and, and varied stuff, but it's, yeah, you know, it's been, it's been really enjoyable. Awesome. At, at times, I think, I think the biggest, you know, and, and this is some kind of something I wanted to, to talk about is <clears throat> I think I was selling myself short for, so I've been there uh, for nine years, over just over nine years. Similar and, story. 
Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I think I have issues with commitment, right? Like, uh, between, you know, my wife I've known since the eighth grade and yeah, this rebound job that I've been on for nine months, it could be me. Um, but you know, I went through this time of, um, you know, my company where, yeah, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, right? I wasn't sure if this is the best fit for me career-wise, if this is the best fit for me, for my family. And, you know, I did some soul searching, did some reflection on it and said, okay, well, you know, what else is out there? Do, you know, if I want to make a change, if I want to jump, now's the time. Um, you know, it's not going to get, it's not going to get any different. Uh, one of my, one of my you know, best friends at work, we were, we were managers together. Um, he, he took a position, he, he, you know, he kind of made his decision and took a, took a position at a, at a, you know, another builder here, um, in the city. And I was like, man, like this isn't gonna be a whole lot of fun anymore without, you know, without my buddy. Um, you know, what do I want to do if this, you know, is this, is this going to be catastrophic for, what did uh, your buddy bring to the table when you were going through that decision-making process? Oh, he was gone. He, he was out the door. All right. So like before that though, yeah, when you guys were having a lot of fun doing what you were doing yeah. at the work, like how yeah, does so, he make that fun for you? Yeah. So I kind of described it as we were kind of like the yin to each other's yang. So very different personalities, but I would say complimentary, right? So I would say he was a little bit more, um, you know, pessimistic. And I was a little bit more optimistic, but between the two of us, like it was very realistic, right? Yes. Um, wow. you know, yeah. And, and so it was a really good, uh, relationship because there was some mutual trust and, you know, he'd been in the business for a long time. So he had a lot of experience and he had a lot of perspective that I didn't have on stuff. Right. Just, yes. just because of his, you know, again, experience, tenure in the position, um, you know, different perspectives, right. Gives you, you know, just a different, a different vantage point gives you a totally different perspective. on 100%. Something. And so, um, I think you're, what I was knocking down targets right now. Good. Yeah. So I think, I think by, by saying, Hey, like we, you know, we had, we had a lot of commonality, right? Like both came from the construction side, uh, both had younger kids, but so he ended up leaving. And I think, I think he, you know, he made the best decision he could for his family. Right. And I'd never fault even, yeah, I would never fault somebody for that. Um, but for me, as I you know, kind of put me in a position to say, okay, well now I've got to decide what, what is the, what is the, uh, next best decision for my family. Right. And it weighed on me for a couple of weeks, um, you know, and, and ultimately what it came down to is like, well, yeah, we've, we've got too good of a team here uh, for me to leave these guys high and dry, right? And go find another job. They're, they're, they didn't have another manager. Um, so they would have, the company itself would have really been in a lurch. And I really liked the team. I enjoy what I did. You know, right. there was some, um, you know, there was some hiccups and some friction points and, and things like that. Um, but, yeah, but, and that's going to be in any kind of job, right? Like that's normal, yeah. I think. Yeah. When I think, you know, the biggest thing for me is I think my, you know, my boss wasn't sure where I was and which makes sense because if I wasn't sure where I was and how I felt, how could he have any sort of clarity? Was it a new boss or you worked for him nope. for a while? No. Nope. Yeah. Worked for him. He's been there for, since I've been there. Gotcha. Um, how did you talk to him about those things? Yeah. So, uh, so I made my, I made the decision. I said, look, I'm staying here. Um, yeah, I'm in, right. I'm in. Both feet, 100%, I'm in. We're going to, you know, roll it on my sleeves, grabbing the shovel. We're going to dig out of, you know, being short man the manager. And we're going to go figure it out. And we're going to, we, you know, we're going to win. And <clears throat> I sat down with him and kind of basically communicated that to him. And I said, look, like, I just want you to know that I'm in. And, you know, whatever, you know, hell, high water, whatever comes, like, we're, we're in this together. And I'm here. 
and I'm in, and this is what I want to do. And, you know, in exchange for that, I would like to have some influence because he, he's, you know, he's older. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. At some point he'll retire. Uh, he, you know, I don't know. I don't know when. I don't know that he knows when. But, you know, he's been, he's been in, in the Jacksonville, you know, industry for 20 years, I think, and in the, in the construction industry for 50 years. I'm right? sure he's so, doing well. Yeah, 100%. And, but I think, you know, for me to say, hey, I'm in, but I want, I want some influence, right? Like I want to stake and a say here because my, my intention is to be here long after you're gone, whether it's in this position or a different position or, you know, a different location within the company. Like I want to be here in the company and I want to have that impact. I think, you know, that was a huge uh, inflection point for our relationship because I think at that point, you know, he said, okay, like I've got, I've got someone here that's, that wants the mentorship, that wants the development, that's, that has a long-term perspective. And I, and really it was, it was very, uh, you know, transformative for our relationship. And so I think, you know, you know, I'd put that out there to, you know, to the, to the group list of the podcast here is that, you know, if you're not sure where you stand, like then. Yeah, you know, the people around you probably don't know either, and you know, with with a little bit of clarity and some conviction, yeah, you know, it's it's been that really changed. Um, it really changed my you know my experience going to work. Right. So instead, what are of some, like I'm being, yeah. Sorry. Uh, what are some key values out of that guy, the guy that you talked to that one day? Um, you know, how how did he? listen listening is important yeah so the listening part was important but for me it wasn't the most important i think you know how how we transitioned the 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 listening into action is what what was more important for me right like i could see it was more than just a head nod some notes on a piece of paper during a meeting right it was it was hey let's let's talk through this let's hey what do you think about this hey what's your opinion on this thing um, and so it, it became more collaborative and we don't do what I, what my ideas all the time. Um, but at least to have the input and have the opportunity to add value is really what I was asking for. Um, yeah. and he's delivered on that. Right. So, so the listening piece is that's only part of the puzzle. Um, I had, you got to act on it. I had a couple of good, really good bosses that did that well. Yeah. And, um, one was Sean Davies. Another one was Sean Fernando. Um, Another guy was the you know senior vice president of manufacturing for our entire company, and his name was Ken Verholst. And I'll never forget um, something that he mentioned in 2001, and that's listen to what you don't want to hear. Yeah, that's right. right? I think that's a, a a good key value for any type of person trying to lead folks, especially nowadays. Yeah. So. But in, you know, in, in not just listening to that, but then you got to kind of take action. You, you, yeah. Well, you got to, you got to foster that environment, right? Like it's totally different on the outside, I think, than the inside. Like the, the, the game changes a little bit, right? Like on yeah. the inside, you know, you've got, you know, you've got some senior listed leaders, right? You've got maybe some, you know, staff NCOs or, or even, you know, uh, NCOs that'll come to you and say, Hey, you know, you know, you, you screwed this up or you punted this. This is or, how the crew's feeling. What do you yeah, do about right. it? Boss. Right. Hey, here's here's the temperature. And I thought you should know. Like on the outside, that's that's a very different, you know, the rank structure is not nearly as rigid. And so, you know, how do you find those uh I call them narcs at, at my work. 
right? Uh, how do you find those narcs, those informants, right? But you got to, yes. you got to protect them, right? Mm-hmm. You can't, you've got to, you've got to take the information, keep them safe, but also make them want to keep feeding you more information. And if you don't act on it, they won't keep feeding you information because it's a waste of time. Yep. Uh, but if you, you, know, if, so, if you action their yeah. inf- information, they're feeding you. Yeah. So valuable, 100%. right? A hundred percent. And you got to keep them safe, man. You know, if you, if you're, if you keep them safe, and you don't, you know, you don't let them, you don't let everybody know who's, you know, who's, who's, who the informants are, you know, and then you can, you can have some really good success there. But I think, you know, and that's, that's true for me today, right? Like I've, you know, I've got a handful of, you know, kind of close, uh, you know, close, close people that I work with. And I say, Hey, like, what's the feel? Hey, how are we doing? Hey, you know, is this, is this going to get it done? Yeah. I mean, Mike talked about it right on, on his deal is, you know, I ask a lot of questions before I do stuff. Cause I'm just not, I'm not a hundred percent sure I'm making the right decision. And, you know, so I'll, I'll do some role. They don't know that I'm doing the role play, but I'll go and pitch them an idea on, you know, Hey, let's what do you think about if we did this and this? And I'm went, you know, asking in the poke holes in it so that I can, you know, have, come up with a better, uh, a better or more comprehensive answer or solution. Right. That's, that's the best plan. Um, poking holes through everything. Uh, yeah. I also wrote another quote down, uh, another tie-in, I think, that, you know, relates to that. And um, plans fail for the lack of counsel. But with many advisors, they succeed. That's actually, yeah. uh, you know, Bible quote, Proverbs fifteen twenty-two. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's spot on. All right, dude. Um, we kind of cruised over your Marine Corps experience. Let's, you know, rewind to that. You know, yeah. you, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so after after reconstruction, so I had a um, uh, training uh, incident in uh, Key West on spring break. Um, you know, doing some uh, like, like you know, kind of quasi mic map uh, down there on spring break is a is a first class midshipman in you know coming back from sloppy joes and stuff anyway uh and uh so i ended up with a i broke my ankle uh ended up with a medical TAD. so you know after graduation i was able to coach with you guys and uh kind of did the ops and logistics for the team which was i mean it was good it's a great experience and uh you know from there uh we went to the basic school checked in with his bravo company in december uh so yep. it's a little bit a little bit a little chilly um but yeah i remember know, digging those holes is oh my god a little different yes yeah, the rifle range with the you know sleet was, uh, and, was uh, not, not my idea. When you learn about how layers uh, yes. uh, of clothing work versus yes. one nice big coat um, layers, yep. gets very important. Wet. Yeah, yep. And so uh, did did the basic school. Uh, I had Jordan in my uh, in my platoon there. You know, one of my yeah, favorite things about TBS was my wife trying to cut Jordan's hair. Because uh, we were all young lieutenants trying to save money, so Jordan would come. Ah, we're going to the field. I, dude, I got to cut in here. Uh, so my wife's usually always cut my hair. Sometimes I'll go yeah. like when I know she, she needs a break, I'll go get my hair cut. Uh, yeah, but she cuts hair, and uh, she cut this one guy, um, Snyder, maybe Mark Snyder. I wish I could remember his first name. Um, he cut his hair and. He never came back after that. That's funny. I think she cut Luke Scott's hair a couple of times, but Jordo was always my favorite because it never looked good. And he's like, yeah, we're going to the field anyway. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was just, 
it was fun. Uh, but yeah, so the TBS, uh, got logistics and then, uh, they were like, all right, well, you got logistics. Like, where do you want to get stationed? And I was like, uh, West coast, California. And they're like, cool. <laughs> uh, you ever heard of 29 pumps? And I was like, no, but like, it's gotta be cool. Right? It's in California. And so, uh, for the audience, that's not familiar. Uh, it's pretty much all beach and, uh, no ocean. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's not, not great. Um, you know, out there in the middle of the desert. Great training area, uh, yeah. not great. Probably not the great best. Training. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's where all the you know all the all the you know final workups go out. Shared suffering. Yeah, twenty nine pounds. Yeah, there's definitely a little bit of a there's definitely a chip on your shoulder, a little bit of uh, you know, um, gosh, I don't know, um, shared suffering. Yeah, and so you know, ended up working with uh, North and I had offices next to each other it's at, at one point out there. Um, you know, but so check, so got to Twine Palms, checked into, uh, Seventh Marines. Oh, actually, let me, let me back up a second. I think, you know, one of my fonder memories was at uh, logistics officer course. And, uh, I think that was back when you still had the Ram charger. Oh yes. I sold and it. Would, I wish yeah. I kept it. Man. Well, awesome. you know, we all have, I had a, I had a Z car that I sold and I regret that too. <laughs> uh, but man, like what a, just what a dark, I mean, that was one of the darker, you know, downer times, I think, right. Where it was just like, man, this is not, uh, this is not how I saw this playing out in my, you know, in my crystal ball. And, uh, man, I don't remember the name of the place, but there was a place across the street from the parking lot from the extended stay that had like quarter we both stayed on in. Tuesday yeah. nights. Yeah. We both stayed in the extended stay. That's kind of our first like government, you know, military, you know, let me screw you over experience where you're this young lieutenant and they're like, Hey man, we need you to float four months of a hotel on your credit cards. And you're like, Oh, like, Holy smokes. I don't like, I can't do that. You know? And, uh, yeah, it was just, just like, good Lord. Like how, how is this? Hey, the positive side of this is to help build our credit. hundred percent, hundred percent. And, you know, I think, and it also, you know, now I look at it and go, Hey, like that's, I don't want to treat people that way. Right. Like I want to treat people better than that. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I, I took up uh, playing the guitar there. I still have one of those that I bought, by the way, but I can't play it worth a dirt. And, uh, you know, so so the extended stay was just top notch. And uh, so then we kind of, I think we kind of split after that. And uh, I went out to Twenty Palms, checked in the 7th Marines. And at the time, uh, Colonel Renforth was in charge of uh, 7th Marines. So he was a sprint guy. Um, and I think, I think Jordan talked Sparky. about his deal. Yeah, Sparky was there. And so, uh, you know, so I check into him and I remember, yeah, at this time I was probably, yeah, I was probably 220, uh, 225. And, you know, so I go check in to Colonel Renfort and I'm like, yeah, sir. Like we met, you know, before at one of the spring football banquets and, uh, he was like, yeah, you're, a, you're a big boy football guy, right? Cause that's what we call you guys. It's just big boy football, right? No, sir. I'm a sprint guy. He looks at me I'm like, really? I'm like, what's the weight limit these days? Like, yeah. And, uh, so I checked into him with him and you know, I was a maintenance management officer there for, uh, I don't remember how long, but maybe a year or so, uh, probably a little bit less than that. But then, um, three, four and you did a maintenance management officer and that was kind of typical. You'd start at the regiment, um, kind of get to know everybody, put you through the paces, you had a little bit more of a support network there at the regiment. And then they did get you down to the, to a battalion and you know, kind of work through one of the maintenance, you know, junior officer maintenance positions and, you know, kind of the senior guy would go be the assistant logistics officer uh, for the battalion. And so did that, went, checked into three, four, 
um, you know, I was there for about a week and, you know, checking, hanging out the XO there. And, uh, he's like, yeah, and you're going to be here with us. You know, we got deployment coming up and, you know, at some point we're going to disband the battalion, but you know, you'll be here when we turn the lights off. And I was like, all right, cool. Like I got a home, I've got a place to be and I got some work. So this is all, all good things. And then, uh, <clears throat> a couple of days later, I got the, uh, Lieutenant Middleton, he'd been picked up for an advisor team, uh, deal. Right. So, yeah. uh, pretty similar to you in that, uh, but you had the, uh, you know, obviously with the, with the year long deployment, a uh, little bit different, uh, situation. Um, so it was, the advisor team was great, man. Like I really enjoyed it. The downside was, you know, doing a workup in Pendleton with, you know, the wife and, in you know, the household up in, uh, 29 Palms. That, that was a little bit of a challenge, but really, really great group on the advisor team. Um, what, what was your of, funnest experience with that? Funnest, the most yeah. exhilarating. Yeah, I, man, I don't know. Um, a lot of it's, it, a lot of it's such a high point for me. Um, Why? like I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, man, the team, we had a great team, we had a good network. Yeah. I think a lot of the advisor teams really suffered. Uh, I guess I'd say it this way. I think a lot of the advisor, advisor taskers, right? So the, the higher headquarters comes out and says, Hey, we've got an advisor team and we need to put together a group of, um, you know, mainly officers and staff and COs to go over there and advise the Afghans. Yeah, there's a stigma uh, with that though, that, yeah. you know, um, the, the worst <laughs> folks. Right. That's what I was going to say. Yep. hundred percent. go hundred percent for you. hundred percent. Um, so I did not have that experience. Um, I would say, especially our, um, especially our CO and XO were, were really good. They both came from one five, um, you know, had deployments in Sangin. And so they really did a good job, uh, making sure was, uh, Ryan Hunt and JD Gould. Got it. And, uh, so they both came from one five. And so I think they really helped set the tone for that. JD and I were pretty close and, um, you know, so yeah, but absolutely, there was a lot of um, you know a lot of places out there that sent their turds in to go do the advisor team deal, and you know, and then, and then there were other guys too where our sister team they had you know a, a pilot and a tanker as their you know CO and XO for their team, and you know, no fault of those guys own, but that's just a totally different um, yeah, it's a totally different environment, right? Like it's yeah, a totally different experience. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and so you know, it's hard to leverage you know, your experience as a pilot to go, you know, in bed with the Afghans and go do that deal. So I felt like we we're very prepared. We had a really good team. It was a good workup. Um, you know, and kind of similar deal where like, we're here to be professionals. We're here to have fun, right? Like if, if, if you're not, if you're not having fun, like, why are you doing it? You know, like you can go out there and accomplish everything you want, but if it's not fun, it sucks. Yeah. Um, even the shared suffering, right. should have a little bit of fun, right. It should get you into the club or it should get you, you know, um, oh man, who, who was it that was, uh, you had one of the guys on here. It was, uh, Jordan Young. And he was talking about doing up downs, right? With the sprint. So I remember him being a coach. And, uh, you know, so we would do, you know, the up downs just became like, yeah, I did, heck, it was probably part of the deal when you were there. But the up downs became not punishment, right? Like you're a bunch of prisoners out there. And it was just like, hey, we're going to have fun. We're going to have fun with the punishment. Yeah. And we'll do up downs as long as you want to do. And so I think there was, you know, kind of some of that, um, team building fun. Like, yeah. Like let's have fun with this stuff that sucks really bad. And like, what are they going to do? Make us do more? Well, fine. Um, but yeah, so the advisor team was, you know, it was good, man. I, you know, I got to do, 
especially at the time, there was not a whole lot of kinetic stuff going on. So we got to go, you know, I, I ended up coming back with probably more, you know, I had a mind, you know, all these uh, vehicle certifications. You know, I'd be like, hey, I'll just, you know, I'd always threaten to go check out one of these from the motor pool. Like, oh, I'll just go drive myself out to the range. Like, oh, you can't do that. I'd show, you know, show the, show the Lance Corporal my, my, my license, right? Like, dude, I can go do that. And uh, it was just a, it was a very unique experience um, that I just don't, you know, obviously there's, we have a lot of peers that have that experience, um, but not a lot of, I, I don't think outside of our peer group, there's a whole lot of, uh, there's a whole lot of that, right? So and I, were you in that, um, man, I haven't kept up with it, but they had like some of these Vietnam advisor guys, right? And there was no. like a distro or a group for that. And it was really like a lot of, you know, it, the, the kind of the, the, it's not link in the chain, but kind of the, the previous generation that even had, you know, people that they called advisors wasn't, you know, it was back in Vietnam. Right. And so very, very unique experience. I think very, um, you know, short, it's a, it was a short lived deal, right? There was a couple of years where like, you know, me as a public logistics officer is going to go, you know, drive a mine roller in Afghanistan. Yeah. Sign me up for that. Right. Like I'm going to yeah. go ride, you know, in, in the machine gun deal like, <laughs> sign me up for that. I'll never yeah, forget, like, man. Like, one of my uh, experiences was driving that mine roller, uh, yeah, busting it, and yes, we uh, we drove over this path that had a uh, <laughs> there was a, a yellow jug with a red cap, um, yeah. very very close, and uh, <laughs> well, drove the wrong route, right? But we ended up getting yeah. OD out there and and popping that thing off because. Yeah, it was, it was there to cause some yep. damage. Yep, very, very similar deal for us, right? Like, so hey, we're doing, you know, we're doing some operational stuff, and it's like, hey, we're going to go out there and find them, and you know, get the guys out sweeping. You find it, you know, you pull it out, you know, with the mine roller. The EOD guys come do their deal. Like, that's not a. I don't think there's a lot of people that ha- that were, you know, able to have that same opportunity, especially that time, you know, that time, uh, that timeline that that kind of we shared, and you know. Uh, yeah, one of the notes I had here was, yeah, were you, where were you, you were at a Deleron? Uh, Dwyer. Dwyer, that's right. Yeah, 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 Dwyer. And so, you know, I think we, you know, we hung out a couple times and I remember calling you because we couldn't find our mail. We were down at, uh, at a, we started at a cop to gauze, right? Like, like furthest stops yeah, out. for this pretty far position. Yeah, yeah, it's very remote. And, uh, you know, we're like, man, like we haven't gotten mail in like a month and we haven't seen anything. And, uh, you know, ends up, you know, small world deal, right? Like Tony, Tony finds our mail <laughs> in Dwyer and sends it down. You know, it's just like, man, how, how does that, how does that happen? Right? Like, what are the, what are the odds and the chances of that? And then when we were coming out too, you know, uh, Mike Matthews is coming in and like, I remember talking to Mike on the phone and talking to, uh, cause 7th Marines was the higher headquarters there. So I was talking to their logistics shop, which were all friends of mine going hey man like i've got this gear set like like we you guys can't support us anymore we need to get this out so we, I, i'm pretty yeah, sure i think the getting... four for south marines may have been rg green he's a green. Nah, nah. football guy i, I remember green seeing green at dwyer on a pit stop maybe he might have been on one of the other sides but yeah i mean it was uh you know that was uh, billy mcballoon tug turner yep. uh a couple of those guys but um yeah, yeah, it was just you know kind of small world, small world deal, right? You go from. Go ahead. That's it. I was just gonna say, what culturally, um, were you with the police or the army? 
Uh, so we were with the border, the border police. So AMP, Afghan. Uh, ADP, border police. Oh, border, border police. police. Right. So I was with the army, and the army was uh, primarily there's what I'm trying to remember, Pashtun and yeah, you know different yeah. cultures. Yeah, they were. They, I think it was mainly Pashtun down there. It was not the, um, you know, the tribal stuff was very very different, man. Yeah. And a lot of it was kind of hard to reconcile. Culturally, what were some things that you picked up being immersed into that? Yeah, num- number one standout for me, for hands down, is uh, when we start talking about acceptable levels of corruption. Yes. That, that to me, was just Same like I had a very hard time, you know, kind of reconciling those two things. And, like, I get that, you know, it's a, it's a job, maybe less than a calling there, right? And, yeah, you know, but I mean, there there were guys that we knew for sure were on the take, and you know, yeah. culturally they felt like it was okay, right? Like their cultural norms. I'm pretty sure were, our uh, Afghan army, um, you know, commander was selling ammo <laughs> to the bad yeah. guys. Yeah, corruption. Yeah, I mean, like we, we, we had, think yeah, America's we, corruption has problems, but right, that corruption is right. totally different level. Yeah, we. I mean, they had they had a couple guys, you know, a couple of the Afghans. That got ambushed, you know, not far from one of our positions. Um, you know, they, we had a small element, you know, take take some small arms fire, but that was really it. Uh, I got hit by ID, um, you know, one of one of our vehicles there, but it was not super super kinetic. Mainly facilitation where we were, um, but man, like just a lot of the, um, yeah, man, I hadn't thought about this in a while. There was uh, one of the Afghans, Good. you know, one of the soldiers there had. Uh, Dude, he had a bullet from fighting the Russians back in like the eighties. Goodness, and it was That's still awesome. like it was still stuck in his forearm. Like I touched it, you know. It's just like, <laughs> I mean, I, I was I was about to ask you, was it like on a necklace? But it was on his forearm. No, no, it was like in his skin. Yeah, it was yeah. wild. And uh, you know, we and they had like I mean, just there was a lot of weird stuff, you know, where like we had, you know, Pat McCabot. You remember Pat? So Pat was Pat's uh, his he was the higher he was uh, the advisor for the higher headquarters of our guys, and they were up in Lashkarga, and so yep, that was kind of uh, like the northern edge of our movement. Yeah, yeah, yep. And and so Pat was at a lot. So you know, again, like whether it's the you know depending on which you know brotherhood sisterhood whatever the group is, right? Like you know, you pick up the phone, you end up like, hey man, I know you. Like we have a similar experience, we have some commonality, like. Let's work together. Your network and, is your uh, net worth. Yeah, a hundred percent, and a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And man, they like busted some guys coming out of the city with like a bag of onions on their truck. It's like you guys are not good enough police to like do this sort of deduction. And they end up finding like, I think it was like eleven hundred pounds of like unrefined opiates, like two two bricks of heroin. Yeah, that's I mean the, it's, that is the crop of Afghanistan. Hundred percent. Hundred percent, and then like yeah, and so then you start talking about corruption with like the uh, GLE, right? So the government led eradication, and they're like, "Hey, we're gonna you know basically destroy your cash crop because we don't agree with your deal here, right?" It's like, well, we don't, you know, as, as Americans, like I don't want to be a part of that. Like I can't choose yeah. who gets. How to- does that uh, affect your legitimacy as an advisor slash yeah. whatever you're trying to do, right? In, in that right. type of culture, right? Right. And it's and it's very hard because I think you know you can't. It's hard to even know who to trust at that point, right? Like you're, you know, willingly or unwillingly, like you're playing a part in this, you know, game, 
um, that really could have some catastrophic or devastating circumstances, especially for the in, in, individuals involved, um, and maybe even on a, on a larger scale to, you know, the, you know, that, that region, right? Like, I don't think it's going to be, become a, 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 you know, world stage geopolitical issue, but man, yeah, for that, that human, right. That now is going to be, you know, potentially a victim of violence or whatever. Yeah, man, like it's a, those are high stakes. Biggest learning from that event, um, that deployment with the Afghan, you know, uh, border police for you. Yeah, I think, I, I think a lot of it was flexibility, right? The mission, the mission set changed so much, right? Uh, and, and you probably saw some of this too, right? The mission was, it was so multifaceted, right? Like help, you know, help develop the Afghans, right? Okay. That's what we're here to do as advisors. But, you know, what does that really look like? You know, and if they don't want your help, what do you do about that? Right? Well, you know, you try to add value where you can. Uh, I remember talking to the guy. It's like, hey, man, like, you got enough water for this? Like, we're going out on a two-week off. Like, you got enough water? He's like, oh, yeah, we'll be fine. It's like, really? Because I don't, like, see any water jugs or anything. It's like, oh, no, we'll be fine. It's like, okay, well, good luck. Don't be coming to get my water. And, she'll like, and that's what I told him. Yeah, well, I told the guy. I said, look, here's the deal. If you come, you know, some of the time you relate to him, right? I said, look, you're going to embarrass me because embarrassment's a big culture. Be like, it's going to be embarrassing for me if you if you do not have enough water. And you have to ask me for water. That's going to be embarrassing for me because I'm not, you haven't asked me to help you yet. So if you need my help, tell me now. It's like, nope, got it. Okay. You didn't ask. So, you know, um, I think the flexibility, you know, while we were there too, there was a lot of like uh, retrograde stuff going on. Um, yeah. <laughs> One of the major issues that we had was, uh, I don't know if we talked about this or not. Yeah, we, I think we might have, maybe it was Pat. But we had those uh, big water bowls, right? Like the big, I think they're five or 600 gallons or whatever they are, this water tra- tank trailers. And whoever was there before us had given them to the Afghans. There was three of them, I think. And so the hi- our higher headquarters during this like retrograde, uh, you know, bring all the, get all the equipment back. They're like, uh, hey, you guys have these, you know, three or four, whatever it was, water bowls on your, uh, you know, on your property records. We need you to send them back to us. And we're like, well, funny story. We don't have those. Whoever was here before us gave them to the Afghans. And so they've had, you know, they, they would, they we would watch them. They'd pull them down into the helmet and get buckets and fill them up with like river water. And they would, they would use them for fuel too. Like all, all the same deal, right? Water, fuel, who cares? It's all the same. And uh, we're like, listen, like, so we, we asked them about it. We're like, Hey, like, so there's uh Helps you appreciate our, you know, current water. 100%. Systems. 100%. We're like, hey, so can we like get those back? And the guy's like, listen, we're going to fight you if you try and get these because we cannot resupply our position. Like, we can't provide water to our positions and maintain them without this piece of equipment. And so for them, it was it was a life or death deal, right? Like, they would not be able to survive in those, you know, strategic positions without resupply capabilities. And like, our higher headquarters kept pushing, like, hey, you got to go get them. You got to go get them. And we just kept escalating, right? Like we can't, like we're not doing it. Like who's coming? Like and so, eventually got to the point, and you know, we talked about. You know, my CEO was really good at like he would fade the heat and go, "Hey, I'm not. My decision is that I'm not doing this, and you can come do what you want to about it. But we we're not going to get them." Sure. And and so you know, for you know, to have that to have that kind of support and go, "Hey, man, like I've given you all the answers. Like I've done the research on it. But like here's here's the decision you have to make." Do you want to go fight these guys for these pieces of equipment that we're not going to use or take back anyway? Or do you want to let them have them, gain some goodwill, and not have to fight them? Uh, yeah, that's a no-brainer deal. 
So I'm just that was one of the things. Man, this is so dumb. Like, why do we even? And then and then you know you see the, you know, on the way out we're leaving all that stuff there. Just like, man, yeah. I'm glad we. I'm glad we didn't get. I'm <laughs> glad we didn't come to blows over, you know, some fuel contaminated water holes out there. <laughs> I'll never forget. Um, I went to Mexico. Um, I was in high school, and we had a uh, uh, a ranch that we would go to. One of my dad's friends had it. Uh, go hunting, whatever, but we'd always cross over into Mexico. And um, I'll never forget looking at a um, toddler. She must have been like maybe three or maybe even two years old, dipping her hand, uh, sitting on the curb of a street, dipping her hand into some water that was running down the curb. Uh, and you could see like the rainbow effect of the contaminant or whatever that yeah. was yeah and she was drinking it yeah. i was like dude we got it good like we yeah it's yeah there's there's you know in my eyes at that time i was thinking about all the you know problems or whatever i was thinking about but I'm like 100 percent, dude we got it so freaking good here 100 percent. the uh, perspective man i need to stop you know, complaining just, right right I mean, that, and that happens, you know, that happens to me, you know, daily, right? Where you're like, this is a first world problem, man. You know, <laughs> like Kroger delivers the group, my groceries to my front door, you know, like I've got it pretty good, man. Yeah. Um, do you have a, a biggest, um, so when you, do, when you do that advisor team, I have a single thing that rings out in my ear for like how to talk, um, in the language mm-hmm. um yeah. and that is um you know hi how are you nice to meet yeah, you yeah 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 did, like, did you have oh, yeah yeah uh ashi daddy shumahoshadam or something like that yeah well you guys are speaking so i think we we're doing like pakti which is like the more remote deal and you guys are speaking dari right yeah and that's the yeah, difference so- between the police and the yeah army. right 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 yeah right. so it's a very different deal like i you know i remember like uh you know hello was like saying yay and like i can remember uh which uh, one did you like, use the most saying yay it's like hello oh, yeah gosh. you just do like the deal you know and you uh yeah and i i for whatever reason i can remember uh listening and i can remember uh i am a marine <laughs> that's it that's yeah. it just in case no we need to be reminded, ever, right? I don't think I ever use that. I just it's just what <laughs> it's what what lives up there rent free, you know. Yeah, maybe there's some uh, you know pride behind that, right? Yeah. All right. So you do the advisor team gig. Anything else there yep. before you move on from that? No, I you know I don't think so. I mean, it was just you know there was a lot of flexibility in the mission side, right? It went from you know. Yeah, get there, help the Afghans. Okay, kind of help the Afghans to, you know, hey, we got to get, we got to get this equipment back, you know, retrograded. We've got to get this, you know, and so we ended up kind of commuting from, you know, further back positions and got to the point where they just could not, you know, we would go out to to go, you know, advise the Afghans and be like, hey, man, like, you know, you guys are outside the golden hour. We don't have support for you guys anymore. We're like, well, this probably isn't the best idea. And, and I was just yeah, because Dwyer was your golden on. hour, right? It was right. That was the place. Yeah. And that was, and it kind of got, you know, it, at one point LAR was down there running that AO and then, um, 
you know, shortly after, you know, that was before we got there and they had, they still had, I think a shock trauma platoon when we, ch- when we, you know, arrived in country at, uh, oh man. Um, I don't remember the name of that place. Um, anyway. Uh, and then at some point, you know, they, they packed those guys up and moved them out. So it was just kind of this like, Hey, we can't support you. We got to get your, you know, we got to get your gear. Um, so yeah, it was, it, that part was, um, it was fun. Like it was, it was good. It was a good experience. I got to do, you know, logistics and, you know, got to do, you know, stuff that I, didn't, that I wanted that opportunity to do, but didn't think I would have. And so it was great. Uh, in that sense, we didn't lose anybody. Um, you know, it was, it was a, it was a really good deployment. So then I, when I came back, um, you know, seventh Marines was in country and, uh, three, four was, had just kind of come in. Which uh, was your tribe. Yeah. Right, you got yeah, depth so an advisor team, but yeah, they were also doing things there. Yeah, so Seventh Marines was the the higher headquarters, and then um, three four had just come in country, and so because I was three four, I knew you know I knew a lot of those guys there, and so you know, we kind of saw them at Leatherneck, and uh, you know it was good, right? Kind of high five them as I was coming out and came back. You know, uh, my my daughter was born, um, you know, right right when we got back. Actually, I got sent back a little bit early. Because <clears throat> we were just hanging out in Leatherneck, waiting for you know, basically waiting for a ride to to come home, and so they sent me out a little early, which was great. I got to come home, uh, be there when she was born, and uh, and then so you know, kind of did the post deployment deal, uh, and then went to you know, you know, kind of got back to to seven Marines and three four, but with both of them deployed, it was kind of this dual uh, remain behind element, right? And so um, there was a lot of there were a lot of hats to wear. And kind of like we talked about with the advisor teams, you know, some, you know, some uh, commands would send their turds. Uh, you know, a lot of the remain behind guys were turds. Turds. Yeah, they were, you know, ADSEP or, you know, MEDSEP or whatever the deal was, right? They they just, yeah. they, were, they were there for a reason. And so a lot of your time was soaked up by that. Yeah, 100%. Right? 100%. And so it was kind of this weird... You know, I kind of look back at the hats that I was I was wearing at the time was, you know, the the remain behind you know headquarter you know Seventh Marines headquarters company XO, uh, the four alpha for Seventh Marines who you know they were still supporting. When you say four alpha, yeah, that means the logistics, yeah, assistant, assi- yeah, so the assi- assistant logistics guy, uh, because Seventh Marines was still supporting you know ITX and those other training evolutions that were coming through or whatever the the requirements were right like the the requirements don't go away because you know the regiment is you know in Afghanistan yeah. and for the group Seventh Marines is twenty nine Paul yeah right yeah good yeah so right. so all the you know you've got three four and then everybody the, that works out of that location yeah and then the Seventh Marines battalions basically so um, yeah so it was uh, it was challenging for sure you know there's a lot of hats was trying to you know, understand it, but it was, uh, it was good. You know, one of the, one of the guys that was in the remain behind element, I don't remember why he was there. If he was a late, late ad or what, but, uh, Jason Marafi was his name and he was, he was a really good, uh, boss. He was a really good mentor. Um, you know, we had, we had a lot of fun doing, you know, we kind of, you know, working together. Um, what were some key takeaways for, for you with him? Um, they were like, man, that, that guy taught me this. Yeah. He was, um, he was very, um, he was consistent, right? So he was never super, super high or mm-hmm. super, super low. Um, you know, you're, you were always going to get, you know, Captain Marafi, whether, you know, 
the whatever the problem was right and, you know so especially it's like this you know i don't know it, it kind of went through I, I kind of maybe it's like a sophomore deal right where you kind of feel like um hey i've kind of got the hang of this i'm like a senior you know senior first lieutenant i've you know just got back from afghanistan right and so you kind of have this like um uh, not not like i've arrived but there's like you feel a little bit more confident you know and he did a really good job of you know kind of helping me work through you know expand the horizons of yeah i never would have had the, or never expected to have you know headquarters company xo responsibilities as a as a logistics lieutenant right like uh, i don't know what yeah. to do funny how that works yeah yeah, I think if you're, you know, if you're willing to, you know, to get uncomfortable and kind of, you know, raise your hand and go, hey, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a try. Like, there's a lot of opportunities out there um, that people just don't, you know, they're, 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 you know, maybe uh, apprehensive to take them. And I, I didn't, not that they said like, hey, do you want to do this? They're like, hey, this is what you're doing. And uh, you know, it was, it was good, man. You know, I think one of the, we talked a little bit about uh, Lieutenant Colonel Major Greeley at the time. So current Lieutenant Colonel Greeley, he was. Uh, so he was, I, I'm sure, man, I'm sure I'm going to get some of the details of this thing wrong. Um, but he was, he ended up being selected twice for command. So he was selected the first time. And I think his wife was, she, she got very sick. I, I don't know if it's cancer or something like that. Um, and he, he gave up command, which I thought was just, you know, um, you know, speaks volumes to the guy, right? And like the priorities, right? How many, you know, how many, uh, how many people out there, right? Like, Hey, I'm going to get command. I'm going to work my, you know, work my tail off to get to this position. And then you finally get there and you go, man, this, the, the priorities that I, that I thought I had are, they're wrong, right? Like I've got to real, I've got to realign these things. And so he gave up command, came to, came to the headquarters for seventh Marines and was the, uh, the XO for the remain behind element. So, you know, it's the, it's the headquarters company XO, you know, I worked together quite a bit. And, uh, at the time, uh, my father-in-law was, uh, you know, he, he had, he had pink, uh, kidney cancer and, uh, you know, it spread. It was bad. You know, it's just it was a bad situation. And um, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And so, um, you know, and this is kind of towards you know, it's kind of towards the end. And so, uh, there was a point in time where I had to take I took my wife and daughter down to Palm Springs to drop them off at the airport, and so she could fly home to be with her dad. Um, and I was supposed to have duty that day, so I talked to the the headquarters company commander and said, hey. Uh, yeah, I got to switch out of this duty. I got it covered. You know, the gunny, the staff and CO, uh, gunny seer was going to stay on my duty. We had it all worked out. Well, gunny goes to check in in the morning and well, nobody told Lieutenant Colonel Greeley, machine gun Greeley, uh, for those of you in the know. And, uh, so no, but nobody told him. So, you know, gunny texts me. He's like, Hey, sir, like, yeah, Exo's pissed. You better get back here. So I'm like, well, gunny, like I'm in pump springs now, but like I'm dealing with my family. Like this is like, I got it, but I'll be there when I can. So get back, um, you know, get back from Palm Springs, you know, change, go up, talk to the XO. He's like, close the door. And he's like, listen, um, you know, and he cheat my ass a little bit for, you know, hey, look, like if you're going to swap duty, like you got to make sure the, you know, make sure the uh, adjutant knows, make sure I know, whatever, like do your option important. Okay, I get it. And I thought it was coming, right? Like I was just kind of like, here it comes. And uh, yeah, that's not what happened. So what he did is he said, listen, like, this is none of this is more important than your family. If you need, if you need time off, if you don't have time, I don't. None of this, this is not more important. Um, and man, I thought and he was man. He was he was kind of like Major. I mean, you have some experience, with Major Jenkins. Like those guys could be ruthless. Like when it was time to be ruthless, and so for him to yeah. kind of take pull the mask down and go, hey, um, 
this is not this is not the most important thing right now. It's this is duty. There's there's a time and a place for everything. Yeah. And that I mean, even to this day, man, like that that was hugely impactful for me. And I think my, at that point in time I'd already made the decision, like, hey, I'm getting out. I'm moving, you know, I'm moving on. I'm, I'm, this isn't, you know, she's just different than what I thought it was going to be, which is no harm to a pound. I'm absolutely glad I did it. Um, but man, like yeah. if, you know, more, I think more people like that, more leaders like that inside, outside, um, you know, it doesn't matter like to, to really care. Right. I think we'll probably get into some of that when we talk about, you know, the price of admission, but him to have, you know, to have the seventh Marines XO go, Hey dude, like you got to take care of your family. Do you need to leave right now and, and go be there? Um, yeah, that was huge. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I find that the more I care about the job, <laughs> the more risk I take. Yeah. I think so, that's, I think that's absolutely right. Because of things like that, what you just talked about, um, you know, standing up for your people. And, uh, you know, I think I had a guy on the podcast not too long ago, uh, one of my high school buddies, his name is Dexter Hansen, um, realizing what's important. Yeah. And, uh, but, and that's, I mean, kind of talked about it. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I think that's, you know, that's part of the human condition to a certain extent, right? Like I look back at, and you probably have a similar deal, right? Like I look back at my time as a uh, company commander going like, Hey man, like, what do we do about people that don't go to class? Right. Like, how big of a de- how big of a deal is that today? I don't know, right? Like you, you know, just but the context and the perspective is a lot different. I think that stuff. Yeah, you know, being out in being out in town in Sibius, right? Like, you know, what, you know, what are you yeah. going to do to that plea for that youngster? To, to no, that? I uh, I was uh, when I took that company commander role, um, I had this one uh, Navy footballer, and it was awesome. It was great. His name was Mario Washington. I had to give him the X, and that was a good um you know lesson yeah um for me personally but you know sucked right yeah had to be done yeah well and i think there's you know there's the 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 give a shit factor is still pretty high right because it sucks because you feel that like you feel that tension you feel that pull of like how am i doing this right how am i you know like that that stuff doesn't you know those decisions don't come from not caring right like those the the harder decisions are they're made harder because you care, not yes. because you don't. And so I think that's, you know, that's, it, it's just tough. Like that's, there's some of that that's just the mantle and the burden of, you know, being a leader, being a manager, being a, a supervisor you know, that cares about their people. Yep. Which, Always fall back on, on, on the values. The values will lead you. That's right. right. All right. So now you're back in 29 Palms. Um, Talk to us more about disbanding three four. So three four is a battalion of Marines. Yeah. Uh, the the force is downsizing. Yep. You're the four. You're the remain behind element. One of the few officers that are there. Yep. They get back from deployment. How'd that go for you? Yeah. So we so we'll kind of unpack personally and professionally, right? So um, personally, right? Like so, like I told you, um, you know, kind of my interaction with Machine Gun Greeley. Um, you know, I was out there alone, right? Like so. Uh, you know, my, my, my wife and I, and, you know, you know, newborn daughter at the time we had a house. And so when that lease was up, you know, they, they came back to Florida. And so I was out there uh, by myself and, um, yeah, it was the, the, 
it was not good, man. <laughs> I was just working all the time. And so, you know, to give you a little bit of context of kind of how, how it was working out there on the, on the logistics side is I think I'm getting this right. There was, there was, I think it was like two and a half gear sets or two. There were, there were four infantry battalions out there that fell under seventh Marines. And at any given time you had one that was in Afghanistan, one that was, you know, right about to leave from Afghanistan, one that was kind of doing mid workup and one that had kind of just come back. And so you had this rotation of these infantry battalions. And so they would all, they would beat the heck out of this equipment. Then they would give it to, you know, so then that would be the, the, the company doing the workup or the battalion doing the workup. You know, they were beating the heck out of the equipment. And then they would give it to this battalion that just came back. And the battalion that just came back would be trying to order parts and get maintainers. And they're trying to get all of their, you know, post-deployment stuff done. Their guys back to the rifle range. And it was just this, you know, just turbulence of moving equipment around. Uh, and it was not, it was just, it's just kind of the, how it was, right? That was the state of it. And so at some point they did whatever the force drawdown or math or whatever. And I said, hey, look, we've got too many infantry battalions, fourth Marines going away. And so we got to get rid of this gear set. And so uh, three, four comes back, accepts a really crappy gear set. And, um, and by gear set, I mean, we're talking weapons, trucks, you know, uh, armory space, uh, you know, every, all kinds of weapons from pistols and rifles to crew serve weapons and, you know, toes and javelins, big, you know, missiles and that kind of stuff. So it was a lot of stuff. Um, you know, the, the whole motor pool, like all those trucks, all that equipment, um, you know, it was just this constant kind of round robin of stuff. And so they came back, so three, four comes back. I slide over to the assistant logistics officer at the battalion. I think that's in North was the assistant operations officer and like, okay, here you go. And, um, yeah, I struggled a Good little dude. Yeah. 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 I was, I mean, we, yeah, it was, I was very, very, I don't know him super well, but I was very happy to have. Uh, again, someone that was at least in some kind of club, right? Like at least we had, at least we had Navy together. At least there was people that would like, you know, kind of, I don't want to say, again, you call somebody and go, Hey man, what do you know about this guy? And they vouch for him and say, Hey, he's a good dude. Hey man, he'll take care of you. Like, Hey, you know, he's, he's good people. And you go, okay, cool. Right. Uh, Sam, well, you know, it's, you know, good dude club, good MF or club, right? Like whatever you call it, there's uh you know, there's a club there. And so, um, yeah, so we, you know, and, and part of it was we still had, you know, we had guys come back off deployment that we had to send to the rifle range. We still had, you know, so that was a training requirement. We still had other training requirements of, you know, how are we going to, uh, we had a, I think it was a company, platoon, maybe it was a platoon size element that we were sending to Jordan on that uh, rotation. And so, yeah, there's all this stuff going on in these places and you're trying to figure out like, who, like, where, what are we going to do with this? And like, it's not like you can just leave it or be like, hey, man, we're going to, you know, we're just going to, you know, ship this somewhere it's weapon right it's it's major major equipment um so you know it was uh it was it was a little bit of a rubik's cube trying to figure out who needed what and what would go where and i mean we were kind of um i guess for lack of a better expression pimping gear out right like hey man you know i was calling people saying hey do you need hey do you need any trucks hey do you need any gear and like hey man yeah actually we can use some of this so we you know try and fill up all the you know submarines battalions or we fill up you know, hey, you know, whatever, you know, battalion down there needs needs equipment. So we were moving stuff around to try and, you know, fill up these um, equipment shortfalls with the gear set that we were going to have to get rid of. And so it was, you know, Interesting. It, was uh, it was, it was definitely challenging and kind of like, I think one of the other things that's going on at that time is, uh, I don't know if you saw any of this before you got out or not, 
Uh, but the Air Contingency Battalion, did you ACB, did you ever do any of this? Uh, so shortly after 3-4 got back, and I don't know if they're still doing it or not, but they were doing this. They were like, all right, we're doing this Air Contingency Battalion. And we were one of the, some of the first ones to go through it. I think it was like a MEF for MHG Tasker. And um, what a cluster, man. So they're like, okay, essentially what it was is you had an infantry battalion and you were going to get everybody off the ground and like, you know, quick QRF, basic global QRF. So you were going to get everybody off the ground and I don't know, whatever the timeline was, 24 hours or 48 or whatever it was. And so, uh, you know, you had all these like leave and liberty restrictions and, you know, again, like, hey, what are we doing with all this equipment, all this gear? You know, and, and uh, had to go down for some planning conferences. Pat McCabot was down there. I do remember hanging out with Pat, but like, just like, man, you know, like, let's, let's like, like, if we, if you want to think about this and make it, a, you know, kind of go through this complex situation, like, let's do it. But like, let's not shortchange ourselves and kind of half ass this thing. You know, like, are we bringing water? Because that's going to really change this load plan for this plane if I got to bring water for a thousand people for how many, and you got to tell me as a higher headquarters, how many days of water do I need? Because if I got to palletize that, that's a game changer. Right? Like, yeah. How much ammo, like what, like, so when you say permissive deal, like, what does that mean? Right. Are these guys, you know, to put in a modern, more modern context, right? Like, are you guys going into, you know, Ukraine to try and like, what, like, what does this mission look like? And so, you know, there was, there was a lot of, I had a lot of frustration with that because it was kind of like, listen, if you'll tell me what you want me to do, I'll figure out how to do it. But you got to be very clear when I ask questions for clarity on, you know, what does this look like? You can't tell me like, well, we don't know because I can't, I can't work with that. Um, so, you know, that was kind of part of this disbanding deal too, right? So now, like we got to have gear set in case you guys call us and you want us to go, I don't know, wherever. That's interesting. Like, so you're preparing for a worst case scenario while disbanding yeah. a group, cutting things out, you know. Yeah. It kind of goes back to that. Move, yeah. Moving things to where they might be needed. Right. 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 And so then, you know, the idea was you'd have all these supporting elements. So you'd have, you know, Delta company tracks from 29 pounds to be part of it. And you'd have a tank attachment. It's like, well, are we flying this stuff? Or like, what is like, what, like, let's be, let's be real here. Like, what is this? What are we doing? And um, lots of uh, ambiguity there. Yeah. Right. And it kind of, it was, it was more of like, I guess, a macro experience on the advisor team deployment, right? That flexibility we talked about where you go from, hey, let's help the locals like not suck so bad to, you know, hey, we've got to get this equipment back because we we can't just hand it over to the Afghans, not yet anyway. And, you know, so it's kind of, and, and some of that's like a little bit competing, right? Like, how do we, how do we give up these, you know, supplies and these capabilities and send them, you know, send them back and retrograde them while still trying to, you know, accomplish the mission, right? So kind of similar, similar, similar concept of like, hey, how do we accomplish this mission with, you know, with these constraints? And so it's just, it was interesting. It was, it was fun. It was cool. But like, you know, glad I'm not doing it anymore. Um, <laughs> but it was, uh, it was something else, man. Yeah. I feel you. And so then, you know, so yeah, kind of yeah, completing the narrative there. So got out and you got out like what, August, like June 1st? Uh, can't remember. So anyway, I think but I got we out. We were very close. Like, yeah, I got out like far. two weeks after you, I think. How'd that transition go for you? Yeah, man, the, the, the transition was, um, you know, I, I guess I kind of look at it in, in two perspectives, right? So initially it was, you know, it was very overwhelming. It was very, 
uh, a lot of anxiety, right? So, you know, as the, as the kind of breadwinner for my family, right? I'm going from like, hey, I've got a steady job to like, I'm going to leave this job and step out into the unknown. And, um, you know, looking back on it, right? Like, man, what a great decision to do. Like, it was, the, it was absolutely the, the best decision for me and the family. Um, but it was in, in knowing what I know now, I'd make it again the heartbeat, right? And I would tell, you know, tell the audience too, like, bet on yourself, man. Like, if you're, if you're not maximizing your potential or you're not, you know, Sam Webb, you're not living the, you know, living the dream that you thought you were, like, go find a better opportunity. Don't settle. Right. And I think that's kind of where I was. This was, and, and I felt for me personally, it's in, I just struggled to, to reconcile. Uh, these competing priorities of like my family in the Marine Corps. And I just, I struggled to, I struggled to figure out how to make it all work. And, you know, I remember checking out at three, four, uh, Sergeant Major Miller. And, uh, so I go in, I'm checking out and I say, Hey, you know, Sergeant Major, I need you to sign my, you know, check out sheet. It's like, Hey, you know, Hey, so let me ask you like, what do you get, why are you get out? I said, well, you know, like I just, yeah, I just, I, I can't, I can't. I just did all this shit. Yeah, and I'm like, it sucks I don't want to keep doing it. Sucks it. here, Miller. Uh, <laughs> yes. No, not at all. Um, and so, you know, but I, but I, yeah, I said, look, like, here's the deal. It's like I don't, you know, and I was again living out there by myself. Like that was that was definitely one of the uh, probably the darkest time for me personally was like that because I was working. Man, I would be, you know, I'd be in the office before the sun came up, and you know, I'd have to go out the front gate because they would, you know, they close the back gate at whatever ten thirty for taps. And I was still at work. I mean, it was just, it was a ton of, a ton of, um, you know, work and effort going into this planning and execution of this thing. Um, but, uh, you know, so I go to Sergeant Major and I say, hey, you know, like, I just can't, I can't make it work, man. I, I can't, I can't reconcile these two priorities and they're competing as a, you know, as a, as a first lieutenant. Like, how is this, how does yeah. this translate as a captain, as a major, as a lieutenant colonel? First. Lieutenant? first learning of balance yeah yeah and i and i and i recognized that i sucked at it and i couldn't i couldn't make it work and uh you know he, he told me something too i'll never forget he said man like i you know I, it's it's taken me this long to figure that out and yeah he ended, he was on his i think third marriage right and it was like you know like i don't that's not what i want for me and so yeah. this guy that's that struggled you know that, that has had similar struggles now is kind of his outcome with it like i think i'm making the right decision uh, and, it, and it was for me, right? So I think, you know, as you kind of, you know, as people out there look at it, um, you know, what that transition looks like. I think for me, as I kind of, I felt like I had three, um, three key areas of influence, right? Uh, you know, I, I could choose, uh, you know, where I live. I could choose what I was going to do. And I could choose how much money I was going to make. And so those are kind of things that I looked at were the, the decision points that I had to make to come up with what, what the, what the right opportunity or the best opportunity for me was, you know? So, you know, and you'll see that as, you know, as you're getting out, you, you know, or you're transitioning in anywhere, right? Like, Hey, if you want to move to, you know, if you want to take a, uh, uh, you know, what, I forget what they call them, but basically, you know, if you want to go to, uh, Djibouti and be a, you know, be a, a civilian contractor over there, you can go make a bunch of money. Um, but, you know, the, the work-life balance there's not great. And so, you know, I kind of looked at it as well. I wanted to, I, I didn't want to take a pay cut. I wanted to live somewhere near Jacksonville, whether that was really kind of East coast, but I didn't want to live in Atlanta, Orlando, Miami. That wasn't really what I was looking for. Um, and it was fortunate enough to end up finding, you know, an opportunity back here in Jacksonville. 
Um, and I really didn't care what I did. Like if, if, if I could make the money that I wanted to make and I could live where I wanted to live, I don't care what, like I'll learn a new skill set. I'll learn a new thing. You know, that's, that's not, that's not a, that's not something that's super high on my priority list. And so I think as you kind of, you know, it's kind of a sliding scale in those things, but for, that's how, that's how I kind of reached the decision that I made and, you know, ended up taking this job. It was, um, you know, it was really, really good for me, right? I started in construction. Um, so residential construction is a little bit different than commercial. Um, and home building is, you know, you can, the, the customers can get very emotional. And that makes sense, right? Like like we talked about earlier, you know, this is the biggest investment they're going to make. There's a lot of emotions in, in kind of making that decision. And so, uh, but for me, it was a very natural transition. Uh, because as a logistics officer, like I was never the smartest, I was never the best motor T guy, right? I was never the best armory guy. I, you know, I had subject matter yeah. experts that you can meet. Logist, logistician, jack of all trades that don't know Jack. Right. Yeah. You don't, I mean, I don't know. I'm like, Hey, staff sergeant, like, can we do this? Or like, what do you think? And then, you know, they tell you a way better answer than what you'd come up with on your own. And then you just say like, okay, well, let's do that. Right. And, and yeah, construction was kind of that way for me. Right. Like. I'll never know as much framing as the framer, but if I call the framer and say, Hey man, here's my problem. And this is kind of what some of the considerations are. What do you think? Dude, he'll come up with something way better than what I was going to come up with in a way less complicated. Same well. And then same thing for the electrician and same thing for, you know, so <clears throat> I think, you know, being able to kind of, again, like build that, you know, in, in this sense, it's a, it's a different sort of friend group, right? It's a professional friend group, but these are all people that you work with regularly and you go, Hey man, like, I'm going to take care of you by, you know, <clears throat> communicating, right? Paying your bills on time, making sure the job's ready for you, you know, doing, controlling the things that I can control. And in return, I want you to take care of me, do a good job, make sure the job's clean, you know, be, you know, deliver me a product that you're, that you're happy to put your name on and we'll be fine. And, you know, the successful, you know, construction guys out there, that's kind of how they do it. And so it was a very um, natural kind of progression and transition for me. Um, and then so did, so did that for a few years, um, had an opportunity to kind of do, um, see some other sides of the business. So warranty, which is kind of like our customer service side of it, right? So you close on the home and if there's something that breaks or something that happens or, you know, a defect in something, we, we go in and we fix it. And so I did that for a couple months, um, did a little bit in sales. You know, I think that's, you know, if you're out there looking to transition, I think sales was something that was very, I'm looking. So yeah, well, I think tell me so. more about sales. Yeah. What's, what's fun about sales? Cause I think I could probably bring a lot of value to sales. Yeah. I think the, the sales piece is, is, you know, I think if I were going to go back again and get back into the, into the job market, I would really, I would look, I would look a lot more heavily at sales. Um, you know, to a certain extent, Why? you're kind of betting on yourself because I, I don't think, I don't think there's a lot of companies out there that are selling subpar products. Right. And if they are, I don't want to work for them. I want to work for a company that's selling you good products. So this idea of, and again, like maybe I'm, I'm, there may be someone out there doing sales that has a different opinion than I do. Um, Cause I just manage sales. I don't, um, you know, it's not, I'm out, I'm out there selling every day. And so for me, it's like, if you've got a good product, like, you know, you've just got to, you kind of got to find that, you know, and obviously, you know, uh, we do more side sales to individuals, right? So it's a little bit different than like business to business, but it's not, I mean, you gotta, you gotta, you got to build some relationships. You got to build some rapport, right? Like when I'm going through like the sales training, like build rapport. I'm like, Oh my God, like that sounds like I'm an advisor team again. Right? Like build what rapport. happens when you try to build rapport and 
it doesn't work. Like there's some then you're not doing it issues. Oh, okay. Yes. Right. Like you're well, you're building rapport on what you think is important. Right? Like what? Obviously, like you're not you're not hitting on what they think is important. Because if you were if you were doing a better job of, I think in the context of the limited context I have here, right? If you're asking questions about things that they cared about, then then you can find then you can talk about things that they care about. If you're talking about things that you think they care about, well, you're not going to make those connections. You're not going to build that rapport. Sham well, right? Another lesson. Appreciate it. So you know you got to get into that emotional sphere. I think that was that's something that, um, you know, I think a lot of um, I think a lot of the guys that have been successful are able to do that, right? Like you can tap in, like, I, I'm not necessarily, I don't think I'm necessarily like a super emotional person, but like I can get there, right? Like I can get hopped up for game day. I can get excited about something. And so being able to kind of understand how emotions work, right? Then you can start to use those as a tool. Um, and so I think that's, you know, I think I'm a better sales manager than I am a salesperson. Because uh, I don't like to live on that in that emotional sphere, emotional sector. Um, but I can put the mask on and get there, and go talk about feelings, and go, you know, be bubbly for my sales consultants when you know when I've got to. But you just kind of got to put the mask on and, and and get you know get to that find, meet them where they are, right? Like if you're trying to, you can't. Yeah. My opinion is, I don't I don't manage everybody the same with what I do. My 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 construction guys are a lot more logical, linear thinkers. My sales consultants are very emotional thinkers, right? And that's what makes them good sales because they get the customer involved emotion. So I can't interact and talk to them the same way. I've got to meet them where they are. Gotcha. So it's a little bit different. It's been, but man, it's the company's been great. Um, you know, the market here locally has been just insane. Uh, and so it's 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 been a really um, it's been a really good situation, man. Awesome. All right, so for what you do today, what are your loves and your lows? Things that you love about the job, things that you do not quite so much love about yeah. the job. So I, I think I think the answer is kind of the same, uh, and I'll and I'll unpack a little bit. Hopefully, this isn't a cop out. But man, when you, um, right, so I'll do it this way. <clears throat> I built a, back when I was a, a superintendent. You know, built a home for this couple. Uh, younger, younger people, um, you know, probably, gosh, at the time they were probably late twenties, mid, mid to late twenties, you know, and, um, they bought a home from us. So I was the, I was their builder, <clears throat> you know, closed the home. It's a good experience. Um, kind of got to know them a little bit, um, you know, kind of through that process and they ended up buying, um, you know, a couple years down the road, they bought another home from us. And we ended up having some warranty issues in there. One of my one of my guys was uh, we missed a couple things on some of the checks and inspections we should have done, so we had to go in there and figure out how to make it right. And um, you know, so at the end of the day, when it when it kind of escalates against that point, like I, I get involved and like, hey, like let's let's figure this out. And um, you know, so I go in there and talk to him, and it was man, it was awesome. You know, like I I, I meet him in the in the driveway. They've got. You know, two kids are out there riding, you know, riding their little scooters around. It's man, like this is why we do it, right? Like, you know, we've got repeat customers here because of the experience that they've had, you know, in, in the brand that we've been able to build. And you know, and we again, we don't our products are not cheap comparatively, right? Like we're a higher end uh, builder, and so you know, for someone to say, hey, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna pay a lot of money for this service and this product, like, man, like that's where you know, there's some justification, right, and some. 
um, satis- you know, satisfaction. Hey, we're doing it right. But man, you know, they remember my name. They, you know, he was the, the husband there, uh, Liam, he's asking me on my truck, right? Like, hey man, you still got that Nissan, right? Like, you know, and so to have, to be able to kind of make that, that long-term connection with people like that, man, that's, that's what it's about, right? To deliver, like we talked about that, yeah. you know, that place where, I mean, these, these, these people in particular, um, you know, Caitlin and Liam, like they brought multiple kids home to our, to our house, right. To the house that we bought awesome. and it's a home now. Um, you know, that you don't get that everywhere, even in a car, right? Like, you know, you don't get that same sort of, you know, and we warranty the you know, structural warranties for us since 10 years. Like we have a decade long commitment to these people to deliver a good product. And, awesome. uh, you know, on the flip side of that is, uh, you know, it's the customers that, that they, they're unappreciative. They don't get it. They don't, um, they're difficult, maybe dishonest, maybe, um, you know, they, they're combated to a certain extent because they, maybe they had, you know, some of them said they've had a bad experience, right. And that we've under delivered, um, you know, either product or service for them. And they've had a bunch of, yeah, how, how do you deal with those guys that are um, themselves? A, a dishonest deal. Um, you know, it kind of depends. So typically, uh, if it's a deal after they close, we kind of, you know, we, we kind of talk through each of those situations, um, you know, individually and, and, you know, there's a couple, there's, you know, there's different strategies. It's like, I think probably everywhere is like, Hey, you know, if it's a, if it's a, um, you know, depending on what the situation is, the severity of it, sometimes we do it, man. Like, you know, like do crazy people know they're crazy, right? Like maybe, you know, maybe it's just, sometimes it's easier to, 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 to handle it and move on. Um, and sometimes it's easier to draw the line in the sand, but you know, um, I think one of the things that I've you know learned, especially in the in a management position with my company, is that like our brand is way more important uh, than yeah. uh, you know a customer that's upset or disgruntled. When you so, think about your brand, what does your brand say to you every time you sell it, build it? Yeah. So one of the kind of company mantras that we that we have is that uh, if it's almost right, it's wrong, right? So yep. if, if, you know, if there's a gray area or we under delivered something, we're going to fix it. We're going to make it right. And that's not always fun. It's not always easy. Um, sometimes it's takes us a couple of times to go in there and, you know, so sometimes we, you know, we, we miss it more, more than once or twice. Um, but we're going to eventually get there um, and get it right. And so I think that's, you know, it kind of falls under that umbrella, right? Is that, you know, the brand is that if we're, if we've under delivered, we have, you know, um, not only the obligation, but also the authority, right. To go in and go, Hey, um, we, this sucks. Right. And yeah, I was talking with my uh, customer service guys today and he's like, look, man, like it just, I don't know if we missed it. I don't know what happened, but it doesn't look good. Like it looks like we screwed it up. Okay, man, like go fix it. Let's go. Just money at that point. Right. Like, I mean, it's a business and it's money, but man, you lose a lot more money if you compromise that brand or you compromise that, um, you know, reputation that you have. And that's, that's true for us as humans, right? Like, you know, do, do the, do the hard work first, you know, don't, don't settle for your integrity. Don't settle for your reputation. Uh, I think that's part of, you know, that's part of kind of ties into the price of admission to it a little bit, right? Like, you know, it doesn't take long to do the wrong thing or to, you know, become a dishonest person that like you don't have that standing anymore you can't you can't it's too it's too important for all the other members to allow that type of behavior 
What are your favorite episodes so far? Uh, from the price of admission, is there anything that stands out to you on these episodes? Certain yeah. speaker, certain theme? Yeah, I mean, I think that the it, it's interesting to me how similar uh, a lot of the responses are, right? Like it's, you know, the price of admission is, it's a little bit different, but everybody kind of has, and everybody kind of has their own definition of it, but it's not, you know, when someone else says, Hey, this is, this is what I think of you go. Yeah, that makes sense. I get that. I see that. Um, you know, and, and candidly, I've kind of cherry picked the, um, you know, the episodes of people that I know better. Um, you know, and I look forward to, you know, when I saw North and, you know, Jordan and, you know, those guys, oh man, like, I mean, I gotta, you know, that's can't miss for me. There's, you know, uh, you know, I gotta hear what they gotta say. And, you know, yeah. you know, and, and I think to have, you know, the, I guess the, you know, I don't know if it's a butterfly effect or kind of what it is, but to have these like, um, you know, kind of in some ways, uh, parallel experience, like you and I had like a lot of parallel experiences, but then I look at, yeah. You know, some of the other guys that have been on here and, and the uh you know the impacts that uh that those guys have had on me or the influence and hopefully that you know i've had on them there's you know there's some of that kind of i think you know ideally it's iron sharpens iron but you know seeing sham wow iron sharpens iron hell yeah dude 100 percent. but to, to see i've actually used that a couple of times yeah <laughs> i mean it's real it's it's legit right like you know out yes. the coverage with your friend group like like challenge yourself to you know, challenge yourself to have, you know, mentors that are, that are hard on you. Um, but you know, like, you know, Jordan's, Jordan's to me stuck out a lot, you know, because I, I think seeing Jordan check into TBS and, and kind of, um, you know, I mean, I like, like I lived it, I saw it and go like, man, this is yeah, Jordan. a great story. Yeah. Uh, you know, unfortunate story, but at the yeah. same time, um, what he lived through, like, I'd love to, you know, sit down with him again. Yeah. <laughs> and just yeah. asking more questions. Well, and I yeah. think, you know, in his story, right, he talked about, um, he talked about, I'm pretty sure he talked about Sparky Renforth in this story, right? Who was at that time was the general in charge of Paris Island or whatever it was, right? And so this, like, you know, kind of, uh, you know, again, different clubs, you know, different brotherhood clubs, but similar, right? Like, you know, I, you know, I know that Sparky likes big boy players because they're tough too, right? Like, you know, there's, there's a, there's a certain rite of passage that like, yeah. Big so, boys only. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, you're not like Cam said. Yeah. The very beginning. That's right. The hundred percent. And so there's this like, you know, kind of, um, I don't know, man. It's just like this, this kind of similar, uh, experience that like kind of gets you, it gets you the nod, right. It gets you the, um, the benefit of the doubt. As long as you show up and perform, you know, then, then, you know, you're in there. Um, you know, and I think for me, it's like kind of just the, like, uh, I don't know, man, just the, the nature of these stories and how everything seems so interconnected, right? Like, uh, you know, shit, I remember, so I got back, uh, when I got back from Afghanistan, like, I, I remember Face, I saw, I saw, uh, Mike Matthews was on, like, Facebook Messenger or something, you know, I think I had a Blackberry at the time or whatever. But I'm like, hey, man, like, he's like, hey, did you hear? I'm like, no, man. But what's up? He's like, I got shot. Like, oh you got my shot God. in my butt. Yeah. Like, oh my God, you got shot? Like, what happened? So he's like, look at this. And he shows me his butt cheek. And I'm like, oh, well, that's cool, man. You know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's just like. I must have had a million Dr. Peppers. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, same for you. I'm like, man, like, I send you my gear set and this is what you do with it. You go get shot up. So, yeah, it's just such a weird, 
I don't know, like time warp, man, where it's just, you know, you've got all these super high performers and, you know, you're just trying to kind of keep pace with them, keep up and, you know, hope that you have as much impact on them uh, as they had, had, have on you, right? Like, I mean, kind of like you're doing with this podcast, right? Like you're, you're magnifying that impact. You're sharing that story, um, you know, and, and giving a lot more opportunity to people out there. Yeah, dude. I, I really like doing this. I, I've learned so much through the process. And um, there's a guy named Richard Cushing that, you know, another quote tie-in thing that playing ahead. Uh, it wasn't raining the day that Noah built the ark. Yeah. Like, um, I also listen to Bradley a lot and, uh, He's a big, you know, your network is your net worth type of deal. And uh, it couldn't be more true for sure. So um, next question, who are you? Um, there's a, a lady named Dolly Parton that said, figure out who you are, then do it on purpose. Yeah. She also said it takes a lot of money to look this cheap. <laughs> Who are you? Who is KC authentic today? Uh, the one that's going to walk in a room and say something like, Hey guys, this is who I am. Who is that for you? Yeah, that's a good question, man. Um, yeah, I think, you know, for me, as I look, you know, especially with where I am today, right? Like, so, so for me, man, I've, I've got, you know, similar situation to you, right? I've got, I've got three young kids and like, that's, you know, the kids in the family is number one. Right. Like that's to me right now is the most important opportunity that I have is to, you know, pour what I can into the family, into the kids to, um, you know, you know, help, you know, help them turn out the best that I can impact them to. Right. And so, you know, I think for me is that that's, that's got to lead the conversation. Right. And I think, you know, then when I kind of step back and look at that in a, in a, you know, more like a professional context, it's not, they're not totally removed um, values. Right. Like, you know, I think, you know, being honest. Right. You know, and, and there's ways to, you know, there's ways to deliver tough messages and tough news. Right. It's, you don't have to, you know, you don't always have to be abrasive with it, but many people owe you honesty when they ask you straight up questions, you know? Um, you know, so I think kind of that candor is very important. Um, but you got to be careful with how you, if you just go around telling everybody how they suck, like that's not going to work. Um, you know, so it's I think there's, you know, the, the candor in that, that piece of it where you can offer feedback. Uh, you know, I think that's something that, that I've really tried to, um, I've tried to sharpen and hone that skill because uh, I think it's important, right? And, you know, similar to that, you know, you're receiving feedback, right? Like you, you've got to be coachable and trainable. And so I think if I can, if I can provide good feedback and I can be coachable, then I can really, I can really do whatever, whatever I need to do. If I think, you know, kind of falling under those two things. Um, you know, especially be, and that's one of the things I look for, you know, when I'm hiring new people, like, Hey, is this person going to come in and be coachable and trainable? Or are they going to be someone that fights me the whole way? Do they know everything already? And, you know, there's other, yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's other attributes you can tie under that. Um, that's but, a problem. Yeah. Then, yeah, you're fighting uphill the whole way. Gotcha. All right. Um, two more questions. One is, what's your biggest opportunity or struggle today? 
Does anything day to day? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I knew you were going to ask this one. I still didn't come up with a great answer. It's okay. Um, yeah, I think for me, it's like, man, you know, at the risk of, uh, I guess I'm going to do it this way. At the, at the risk of sounding complacent, man, like, I'm like, I'm just really, really happy with kind of where I am today, right? Like, I feel like I've, uh, I've worked my ass off to get here. And so, you know, to have the opportunities I have to go, uh, you know, do the, do the, you know, provide the kids, you know, the opportunities that, that I can, you know, provide them and to have, you know, uh, you know, to have the wife I have, right? Like, like it's, it's, it's not necessarily, it's, I don't feel like it's a complacent deal, but it, because it's kind of, it's balanced by like, I want to enjoy it, right? Like, I don't want to rush this by, I don't want to just be pursuing accomplishments for the sake of accomplishments. Shamwell what's in front of me today. Cause this is so fleeting with these kids, right? Like with, with, with young kids, man, it's just so fleeting. Like, you know, I was looking at, hell, I was looking at, uh, you know, Facebook memories today and, uh, 10 years ago, man, we were at your, you know, welcome back deal. Um, we were looking at the, you know, the welcome back deal when you guys were down in Carlsbad on, on, uh, yeah, right there on the beach. Yeah. That's, that's a decade ago, a decade ago. And like, where did all that go? You know, and I think when I look back on stuff like that, like I could, you know, I, I could have done probably a better job of enjoying the ride. Um, and so I don't, you know, kind of in the position I'm in today, it's like, man, like, I don't want to miss this. It's too important. And, uh, you know, but it, it, the risk of sounding complacent, like, you know, what's the biggest challenge today is to fight that, you know, to, to try and get uncomfortable every day. Right. And to say, Hey, you know, we talked about it a little bit for me professionally. It's like, I don't necessarily like, having to put the mask on and go, um, you know, get in front of my sales consultants every day, but I got to, I need to, right? Like I got to get in that sales office. I got to go, you know, push myself beyond, I got to do the things that I don't want to do to get better. And so I think that's, that's really the daily deal for me is like, if I can push, if I can push the beyond the comfort zone, just the little stuff, man, then that really sets conditions for the bigger stuff to be less, you know, to be less, um, less of a struggle to do. I'm writing right? that down. I like, uh, enjoying the ride. Um, <laughs> might be your title, so we'll see. Um, awesome. What's your price of admission? So, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to screw the context up. Um, but, uh, you know, bear with me here. So are you familiar with the purple foxes? I'm not. All right. So many, many moons ago, uh, I went to the Marine Corps Museum and one of the, uh, I guess, static displays they have there is you go through, uh, I think it's whatever the, you know, aircraft platform is. And you go through the back of this helicopter and the ramps down, you walk down there and it's, you know, kind of this like, uh, you're in the middle of this like diorama of the, the I think it's Quezon. And, uh, they talk about, uh, one of the squadrons there, one of the helicopter squadrons. The purple foxes. I think it's three six H M M three sixty four or something like that. That's true. <clears throat> yeah, and so they've got they show you they have this patch there, right? And, and if I'm getting the context out of order, I don't want to be corrected. I don't care. Like this is how it works in my brain, and it, and it works for me. So, <laughs> uh, so, so I don't I don't want to be no judgment. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and so but they've got this patch. It's got this you know kind of cartoonish looking purple fox on it, and the bottom of the patch says "Give a shit." And that has always kind of stuck with me. Um, you know, and I think we've, we've kind of talked about it a little bit during the podcast. It's like, that's, that's it for me. It's like, you've got to give a shit because no one can, no one can, 
teach that to you. No one can make you care about something. If you don't care about the group, if you don't care about paying the price of admission, if you don't care about the reputation, no one can, that has to be intrinsic, right? Like, you know, the, the shared suck, like, you know, you can find some kind of a BS motivator to, you know, to, to suck it up for a period of time, right? But to really live that, you know, and really pay that price of admission, you know, beyond just the suck and, and get value out of it and, and add value to the group is you've got to care. You have to give a shit. Yeah. And if you don't, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Right. And it, and that may be, you know, the care, the care extends more, I think, than just the individual, right. It's got to extend to the group, to the legacy, to that, you know, to that brand of, you know, brotherhood or, you know, whether it's strength football or Navy football or, you know, whatever it is, if, if you don't give a shit, you're, it's a lost cause. Yeah. So that that's it for me in a nutshell. And if I miss the historical data, just you know, we'll gloss past it. <laughs> All good, man. No, I, awesome conversation. You know, a lot of key takeaways for me um, with the sales group, and you know, bridging that gap, um, doing the things that you don't want to do. Uh, lots of value there. So, good man. Yeah. What's Shelly doing tonight? So the, the kids are going to bust in the door here any minute. It's going to get real loud, which is fine. <laughs> She's, I, I, got a, I saw the text come across here. It's, She's like, uh, are I you done yet? <laughs> yeah, I can't keep the kids out of here any longer. Hey, I do have a question for you. Sure. Did you say earlier, maybe it was Clint Sobier, one of those guys, you want to live in Jacksonville? Yeah, I've always had the dream of, of living out there, but Dude, I, we need to do I think that. I'm anchored for a while, so uh, I do need to stay here uh, now at this point in my life. Uh, yeah, sure. Kids are in that you know grow up stage where I hate to uh, uproot them again. Yeah, uh, so no, I get that a few times. Um, they're doing good things. They're enjoying life. They're making. Yeah, I saw the gymnastics relationships, um, which is you know that matters. So, no, it does 100%. 100%. Uh, well, then at least uh, maybe once it cools down a little bit, y'all got to come down and uh, hang out. 100%. Uh, can't wait. I just need a few more months to figure that out now. So, no, I get it. I get it. <laughs> the um, are we still on here? Yeah, okay. Anyways, good talk, dude. Um, Excellent, by the way. Like, this one's really good. Lots of really good content. Lots of authenticity. Um, Man, I hope it's a value add because I just, you know, just trying to kind of talk through, you know, how I think and feel. And, and hopefully there's some there's some nuggets out there. It'll right? connect with a lot of folks, uh, which is important. Yeah. So, I did uh, tell Shelly thank you for what she uh, did tonight paying the price yeah man please do the same do the same for your family man I'd, I'd love we got it I'd love to uh, it's been too long for sure I right, do take care bye brother yep we'll see ya